We called it him. Spidey's back in the MCU. He's back in the MCU. It's official. You're welcome. Woo! Hello and welcome to episode five of Mass Movement Presents. Number five. It's alive. It is alive. It's now available on Podbean and iTunes. Please say because we're posh like that. I'm Chris, and the guy next to me is Tim, as always. That's me. Got a pretty cool show lined up today. We got an interview with former Sabotura and current Cavalera conspiracy and pet brick drummer Ego Cavalera. And a massive, a mahoosive interview with H. Master Drain. Yes. We're going to be talking uh, about Compression. That's Tim's new book. Yeah. We're going to talk a little bit about Disney. We're going to be talking about WWE. We're going to be talking a little bit about everything. And punk rock too. And punk rock. And there's also the chance to win two tickets to see Life of Agony on their upcoming UK tour. So you might want to check in on that later. First of all, Tim has more gig etiquette you'd like to get off his chest. Yeah, when you wear the wrong shirts to a show. So I've left this open. I haven't asked you about this. and I haven't sort okay. of... So, so explain your beef with this then. I dislike people who wear band shirts to the same band show. So, oh, say, so yeah, say you're going okay. to see like Bad Religion, okay, and then you wear a Bad Religion shirt to a Bad Religion show. It makes me want to slap you. No, I agree with that entirely. Because use a bit of imagination. Prove that you you know a bit more about music than just, oh, well, Bad Religion is touring again. I'm going to, go to go and see Bad Religion. Now, I know that's my attitude in that I will always go and see Bad Religion over any other band. But it's when, like, hardcore kids turn up to shows and they've all got, like... We're all going to see Youth Today. Let's get our Youth Today shirts on from back in 1980, whatever. And we weren't even at that show, so let's pretend we were. Because I'm 15 and, you know... Let's I'm get gonna... our pre-faded Youth yeah. Today shirts. Exactly. You know, yeah. I bought this off eBay because I was a fetus when the show was actually happening. <laughs> it just annoys the hell out of me. I, I don't understand it. Yeah, I mean, the fact you're there seeing the band showing support... Is enough. Is enough, yeah. You yeah. don't need to wear this shirt. What, are you trying no. to be, like, an Uber fan? Or... Well, you know, <laughs> I... I, I I have nothing against Uber fans and record collectors who sit at home and say, I have test pressing of such and such and such and such with this number scratched into the part of the vinyl where you scratch numbers. I have no problem with people like that as long as they stay the heck away from me. I really don't care. I have nothing in common with them and I don't want to talk to them. On the flip side of that, what do you think about bands wearing their own shirts on stage? Oh, that's just ridiculous. That, that, that's something that really... Uh... Unless, of course, you've completely run out of clothes, you've been robbed on the road, or you can't find the laundry, you smell worse than Gigi Allen's underpants, there's no excuse for wearing your own shirts on stage. Yeah, then you go to the merch and go, I, I need something. Yeah. Shirt. <laughs> yeah. Shirt Jeeves, shirt Jeeves. <laughs> They're not your butler, you know? Your shirts are there to be sold to other people, but if you want to wear your own shirt, that's fine. Just don't talk to me afterwards. Because yeah. it's just, oh, you arse. So you see this on a regular? Is this a regular thing to do? I, I've only seen it happen a couple of times when I've actually seen band members wear their own shirts. And I've seen people walking around uh, towns and stuff wearing shirts of their bands. And you just, oh, Jesus, really? It's like, can't you attract enough attention to yourself? Look at this, I'm wearing my band shirt. I'm strutting about, I'm having a great time. <laughs> I'm not. So just leave me alone. Yeah, what, what do you think about the whole... It's become a bit of a phenomenon now where these uh, high street stores are picking up classic oh. rock and punk like the oh, Ramones. That, 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 don't even get me started on that Ramones thing. Because that just makes me so angry. It makes my blood boil. <laughs> oh, we're going to be a good one tonight. I've actually gone up to somebody wearing, one of these, wearing a Ramones shirt, right? And I've gone up to them and said, Tommy, Joey, Dee Dee. Johnny and they've looked at me like I'm stupid and I said 
So Ramones, uh, shirt, Ramones, favourite song, uh, and I just thought, either I'm going to knock you out now and curb stomp you, or I'm just going to have to walk away. I, I don't get it. I mean, I know the Misfits have sold their logo into um, to Target. and It's Hot Topic in America and stuff. So yeah, yeah, one of the two, but yeah. I, I just don't... No. There should be a questionnaire. When you buy them, there should be a questionnaire. Well, it's not even a questionnaire. You've got to right? fill in. Unless you know ten songs by that band, don't buy that T-shirt. Yeah. Just don't do it. Don't walk into the store and buy that, buy that shirt. It's just... It was an unwritten rule back in the day, as far as I was concerned. If you didn't know the band... Don't wear the shirt. Don't wear the shirt, yeah. Right. It's like, uh, okay, you, you, know, you pick the album. Damn, that's a good album. I like that. Mm. I'll go see them. You pick up a shirt. Well, you buy the shirt when you go to yeah. the band. But don't go into... Oh, look, I mean, whatever. I don't even know what stores they sell them in on the high street. I'm so out of touch. I have no idea. Um, yeah, Primark. Uh, I'm doing it. Okay, so... Primark and Megadeth t-shirts, even last week. Or Primark. Whichever one you want to call it. My, yeah. da- my daughter would literally say she was going to shank you. If you said Primark, she would say, I'm going to shank you. Because <laughs> it's Primark. It is Primark, yeah. Um, but she has a, there was a massive argument with, uh, between two of her mates, right? Mm-hmm about whether it was pre-mark or prime-mark, and it got so heated that they, those two girls don't speak to each other still. And that argument happened nearly 10 years ago. God damn, that's how right? cool. And that is, that is, that's how violent it got. But if you buy a Ramones shirt and you don't know who the Ramones are, right, I'm never talking to you again. I will blank you. I, that, that is literally a case of I will shut you up my life. I will delete your number off my phone, wipe you off social media, and I will just walk away. Because that, to me... It's nearly as bad as murder. I bought my little boy, when he was five, I yeah. bought him a Ramones shirt. Before he wore it, he'd already liked, because uh, his mum would play Rockaway Beach. Right. And other classics. And he really liked that. I'd made him, I made him a point that he knew that song. Right. And if anybody ever tried answer, uh, asking him about it, yeah. he could answer. But the Ramones are like a, a, a religion. They really yeah, are. Yeah, yeah. Okay, because they released the best live album of all time. No band's ever come close to even matching the intensity and energy of it's alive it's just it's, it's my pinnacle of live albums I don't care Bad Religion released a live album it's pretty good but it's not it's alive it's, it, not, it's not, that like in a bottle court thing yeah, it, yeah. it's I made and released live after that I don't yeah. care it's not it's alive that is the pinnacle of live albums because okay. it's just come on hey we're the Ramones and this one's Rockaway Beach one of three four one of three oh bang and that's into the set and it's just pausing hey I'm through that chicken vindaloo I wanna be well bam <laughs> bam bam <laughs> Absolutely incredible, and they do it correctly as well. They go on stage, they slam through their songs. I, I, I you know, I'm fortunate. I think I saw the ones a couple. Of, wow, that's um, you know, and that is proper. So I saw them with DJ yeah. and I saw them with CJ. Okay. Um, and to me, one two three four, one two three four, always just resonates no matter where I am. Yeah. It's it's always if I hear some say one two three four, it's always like oh Ramones, oh Ramones, 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 because they're like a religion. Couldn't care about the sex, but it's gonna give us stuff about Chelsea. Couldn't give us stuff nope. about any of those first wave of UK bands it's all about Ramones the Dead Boys that's it that's where punk rock starts for me Hi this is James from Widows and you're listening to the Mass Movement Podcast you lucky devils You've got a book coming out I do Compression Yes Your first official release Yes Uh, (laughs) (laughs) It's had a long story history but it's finally being published properly Yeah. yeah. On Earth Island Publishing That's the one So tell us about it No It's called (laughs) Buy the book, read it yourself. <laughs> Give us a, right, what, what a synopsis. What do you know? Synopsis. synopsis. Yeah. Um, it's a story of how you shouldn't be defined by your past and how one mistake shouldn't determine your future and how you shouldn't let things slip out of control to the point of you. it becomes an obsession. 
Is this a is this a labour of love for you? How long did it sort of take you to write it? When did you first have the seeds? Oh, the, the book the book is it's a, it's really old. I mean, it's. I know I know it's been knocking around a while. It's in some form or another. Twenty years old. It took to write it. I can't tell you how long it took to write it because you'll just laugh. Well, it's twenty minutes or something. <laughs> 20 minutes to write 57,000 words yeah that's right it took me 20 minutes uh, about a month really that, that's still pretty good going yeah but were you sat down intensely uh, I mean you must I mean, have been, I, yeah, five hours a day maybe was an idea festering around in your head for a while no before that? <laughs> that's, a, that's a terrible thing um, I, it just went I got an idea and you went bang yeah no way yeah. had the idea for the f- sort of intro the prelude right and so I wrote that and then I just sat down and went and wrote it and that was about it and it's been this is the third time it's been published and it's got a really sort of sorrowful tale the first time it was published was by Three Days Dead and there were two edits of the book right Right. at the time there was the first draft and then there was the edit so they published the first draft which is full of mistakes and all kinds of nonsense which was told them not to do it that was one they went with. Published the book. They didn't push it. Didn't do anything with it. So there's a stack of books just sat there doing nothing. They, I think they sent out. I mean, I sent out ten or so review copies because that was all I literally got off them. Yeah. And it got reviewed everywhere. That's what it built up. But it was you know, the lack of edit on the first draft was noticed. Um, about a month after the book was published, the label folded, um, and all the books were pulped by them. Oh never. Yeah. Four years later, no, five years later, mm. there was a thing in SFX, and my wife said, "No, you should send a book into these press." I went, "Oh, okay." So it's like an open book press. So I sent it off to them, um, didn't think twice about it, and I had a letter back uh, two weeks later. We'd like to publish this book. Wow. So I said, "Yep, yeah, sign the contract." They published it. <laughs> it went through one print run with them, and the guys who co-own the business fell out sold it to somebody else one of the authors on who was being published with me called Doug and Doug got in touch and said I'm binning 75% of the authors on this on a book but I'm keeping you right <laughs> let's publish the book again okay. So okay let's publish the book again so Doug published the book again uh, in the edited form and then literally a week and a half after he published the book, his what he found out his wife was dying of terminal cancer. So the publisher had just folded, right? <laughs> so nothing was nothing was done with the book. So this is why there's like second hand copies on Amazon. Right, okay. Like that, because that that was all they did. They did like uh, one single run. Yeah. And that was it. And the single run was just meant for review copies. Open book press folded. So I just oh thought, God. screw this, threw the book into a corner and didn't think about it again. Yeah. And then I was talking to David at Open Book Press, uh, I think, last November, maybe. Okay. Because he was doing his book and then he mentioned that. I said, I've got these books that I'm going to. He said, do you want to find a home for them? And I said, yeah, yeah, that's, that's good. Um, so I signed on the dotted line for this one and there's another six wow. to follow. 
So it's well. finally going to get the push it, is it? Oh yeah, yeah, it's getting a bigger push already than it's ever had. It's going nice I mean, to previously, I mean, it wasn't like the last time. It wasn't Doug's fault by any stretch of the imagination. Oh, of course, no, no, no. Doug's a dear friend to this day. It was a circumstance. But it was circumstance, yeah, and yeah. it's always been circumstance that stood in the way up until now. So it's an art of mind yourself saying, "What's for you won't go by you," and it feels like it's finally come round to the time when, okay, this is going to go forward, and we're going to this is going to happen. And so. On October 12th, there's a soft launch at Bang On in Bridgend, Bang On Brewery. Yeah. Uh, which is free to get in. It runs from 3 till 10. We've got some bands playing. There's awesome beer from Neil there. Uh, yeah. There's good company. Great people going to be there. There's, I think the Greedy Pig going to be there doing burgers and food. And oh, really? Whatnot. Yeah, yeah. So that's nice. going to be kind of cool. We've got um, four bands on. We've got the arteries. The arteries. The migraines. The migraines. <laughs> uh, Sutton's New Lot. Yeah, social, system reset. System reset, not social reset. Uh, no, they no. live, we sleep. Yeah. And, and who are the monsters? We are the, mo- so, the monsters. So, yeah. nice uh, mix of punk and noise. Yeah, and then October 15th is the official launch in London at the Cartoon Museum, which is kind of a, wow, proper proper launch. So, Oppression's been launched in tandem with Punk Faction BHP 91 to 95, which we covered on uh, yeah, two episodes. Yeah, so I mean, the two boxes we launched at the same time, but yeah. even so it's like it's like a London launch, going to that day London for the day, you know. So I'm London. singing my song. If you're from London, where's your handbag? Singing do 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 do. Going into there and having a laugh there. Um, but you know the cartoon museum is fantastic in itself, and there's a free you can wander around, and see that, and you can meet us. It's free entry, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's absolutely yeah, free entry. Yeah. Just rock up, come in, yeah. buy a book, get it signed, say hello, you know. So that's October 12th in Bridge End. Yeah. October 15th in yeah. London. Come say hello to us in London, punch Chris in the face and, you punch know, yeah. have fun. Get a yeah, book signed. Fun to that. And then the book's officially launched or released on October 18th, so you'll be able to get it from Amazon. You should be able to find it in Waterstones and all of the good bookstores after that. Beautiful. So it's kind of exciting. Yeah, I bet it yeah. is. No, awesome. Better. Cool. Just when they think they got the answers, I change the questions. Okay, I've been uh, this week checking out the new DVD by the WWE, uh, the Rowdy Roddy Piper DVD. It's called Getting Rowdy, the unreleased matches of Rowdy Roddy Piper. Came out last month. Yeah. It's one of those. Uh, it's easy to forget how good our Piper, our good Piper was. No, it's not easy to forget how good Piper was. Piper was one of the best. Piper, yeah, but he's just Piper, one of those... Piper was a, it's a, was a wrestler who have a good match with a broomstick. He, he, could, he, he would, make, yeah. You know, he could make anybody look good in that ring. Yeah, and th- that DVD, this DVD shows that. Mm. And I think it purposely goes to show that because they show him um, with this job. I remember in, in like the early 90s, late 80s, they used to have those. It was just um, WWE, WWF superstars and it would be yeah, yeah. jobbers, wouldn't they? Right, you bring in jobbers to make somebody look good. Yeah, some schmuck to get thrown yeah. around. And he has this match with this jobber and you'd think this jobber, you'd think you were looking at a pay-per-view match. Right. He just and it just goes to show the skill he has. But he, Piper's one of those guys who believe that every every time you step in that ring, you should bring it 100. percent Yeah. If you're not doing that, don't bother. And he did that in everything he did. It wasn't just the ring. He was like in his movies, he brought it. In his in his promos, he brought it. Right. But I mean, you you look at the, uh, someone like Piper, and he makes two of the greatest films ever. They live. They live. And how Hell comes to Frog Town. <laughs> yeah. Because, Hell Comes to Frogtown has the most ridiculous idea. You know, you are the last fertile man on earth. We must save you. We must bring you to our to our village so you may repopulate the earth. But we must not get caught by the mutant frogs. 
who dreamt that up? What kind of acid were you taking to come up with that storyline? Because whatever it was, I want some. I really, really want some. Imagine having that script drop on your, uh, your doormat in the post in the morning. <laughs> what? 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 No, no, no. <laughs> Who's I call this? Piper, you want to do this? What's the story? It's about mutant frogs and you being the last fertile man on earth. I'm in. Bang. <laughs> but it's as ridiculous as they live. I mean, the idea they live seems to be almost prescient because we could be living in the same sort of society sure, as they yeah, live. Yeah. But you've got to put on a pair of sunglasses to see to reality see it. as it is. You have to have the filter taken away. There's a metaphor there somewhere. Well, it? it is, but it also it, it almost well, it's capitalism bad, and you are working yeah, slaves. You, exactly. know, you don't know you're being worked until death, but we are going to work you until you drop, and that's an end of it. There are two classes of people: the haves and the have-nots. The have-nots will always work for the haves. It's, exactly. it's reflected in political systems all the world over. So going back to the DVD, he yeah. was, we all know the big matches. We know the the Hogan WrestleMania match. We yeah. know the Bret Hart match. Yeah. We know the Ric Flair and Greg Valentine matches yeah. in, in NWA. This one almost goes out, out of its way to show you the matches we go under the radar. Right. It does show you some classic ones with Kurt Hennig and Rick Rude. Right. That he had, you, you may not remember, but they were like sort of Saturday Night's well, event I mean, matches. What kind, how good would Piper and Hennig have been? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mr. Perfect and, and Roddy Piper. My, that's the kind of match you just go... Oh, I'm dribbling now. I need some quiet time and a box of Kleenex. Well, it's on there. That's with the DVD alone. It's well, on yeah, there, you know? but that's that's you know, box of Kleenex. Wait till everybody else is out the house, kind of. <laughs> just one of those moments when you go, wow, this is a masterclass. This is how it yeah. should be done. I mean, and then the, the promos, the guys' promos were just they can't be topped. I mean, you'll never see the likes of that these days because it's scripted now. Well, promo mainly. You've got to be good at cutting promos, and you know the only people who, have a, who I feel ever came close to, to Piper. Stone Cold, yeah, Triple H, and The Rock. I mean, the guys in the Attitude Era, the three top guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My, my era. And then you had CM Punk who followed on, but he, he just travelled his own path. But there are, you know, people who can cut promos like that are few and far between. They, they are gold, yeah. I mean, Mick Foley's good too. Don't worry, Mick Foley. When Mick Foley's on form, Mick Foley can go. But he's got to be given, he's got to be on form, he's just got to be like, Mick's got to be in the right mood to cut up one of those kind of promos. Stone Cold can do the drop of a hat. The Rock can do the drop of a hat because he's the most charismatic man who ever lived and he would turn anybody gay. I would, you know, I would go gay for The Rock in a half. <laughs> Idris Elba too, but, you know. Really? Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. No problem whatsoever. But, I mean, Piper's promos were in an era of... It was the cocaine era, wasn't it? Nonsense. <laughs> The nonsensical, you know, rantings of like Hogan and Warrior and uh, like Randy Savage. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. And Piper was in there with that. Is some nonsensical, but they sort of somehow made sense. Yeah, but Piper, bring it around. Pipers weren't like nonsensically fueled by Peruvian marching powder. You know, Piper was just <laughs> Piper's promos that way because he's mental, or rather was mental. You know, mental. Said, let's hang out with Roddy Roddy Piper, drink this bar dry, and see who walks <laughs> yeah. out alive. It serves to sort of um, cement his legacy as well. I mean, it goes on. Uh, obviously, Ronda Rousey has kind of taken that mantle now. She wears yeah. she wears his coat to the ring. She's known as Rowdy Ronda yeah. Rousey, and she's on the DVD, sort of saying she's happy to carry on his legacy. She was like, a, you know, she idolised him, and that's nice to see that they're acknowledging that it's going forward as well. It's not just in the past with Piper. Yeah, you've got to move forward Piper's legacy. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. to not acknowledge. Piper as one of the greats, the all-time greats, yeah. would be a travesty. For sure. He was just... You look at him in... Again, we're going back to film like they live. And non-wrestling fans watch that film and love that film. 
because of the character Piper plays, because he's awesome in it. They don't remember that for no, for, for an absolutely pointless, nonsensical reason, there's like a five and a half minute wrestling match between Raji Roddy Piper and David David Keith. Yes, yeah. David Keith or Keith David? One, Keith David? Keith, Keith David, I think it is. The guy from Keith it. David, yeah. The guy from It, who John Carpenter always had in his films, and there's like yeah. a nonsensical five and a half minute wrestling match for no reason whatsoever. Roddy Roddy Piper wants the other dude to put a pair of glasses on. We're not going to put the glass on. We're just going to wrestle. We're going to do suplexes and we're going to th- throw each other around. And they were like, "Oh, we, we got a wrestler on set. We may as well take advantage of this." But it works. Yeah. What do we do for this five and a half minutes? Well, we want to we want to put another want to extend the film's runtime a little bit. So let's just have a big wrestling match. That'll work. Cool. Let's do that. <laughs> So yeah, I've been mean, check out Getting Rowdy, the unreleased matches of Roddy Roddy Piper. It's out on. Uh... So if it's a DVD release, it's not going to be on the network. It's yeah. just going to be DVD release only. So it'll be. So it's going to be on Amazon and. Yeah, it'll DVD, be DVD and Blu-ray and, and yeah. yeah, all that kind of groovy, awesome stuff. Hi there, this is H from Acid Rain, and you are listening to the Mass Movement podcast because you're a sensible, clever, smart individual. We also like Disney. We like to talk about Disney. I do, and you do. Especially some of the uh, the Disney that goes under the radar. Yeah, the more obscure films and the more obscure yeah. Yeah, moments. This week we're going to talk about Black Hole. Oh, I love Black Hole. Disney's Star Wars? Yeah, it's Disney's answer to Star Wars. Yeah, it was like, we need that. Star Wars came out in 77. Disney Black Hole was like 79, 80. 79, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's like, Disney, like, we need that. Go make it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's more... Um, the studios following with Battlestar Galactica, the mainstream studios in, in America, yeah. and then Black Hole follows, and it's, it's literally Disney's science fiction epic. So they got John Williams to write the score for it, because the, the score is beautifully haunting, um, which incidentally, that film score was reused again by Lou Grade in 82, 83 for Race the Titanic. Was it really? It was, yeah. Because Lou Grade was pinching pennies, and I mean, Race the Titanic's a great book, and it's a yeah, sort yeah. of a good film, but... That's a topic for another day. Clive Cussler. Completely different topic. Anyway, yeah. back to the black hole. Super. It's um, it's a, it's a classic sort of uh, story. I mean, it's one of... You've seen similar sort of stories in Star Trek. Yeah. You've seen it... Um, I'm but the, the thing is, Ad Astra is basically a remake of the black hole. You think about it. Brad Pitt goes in search of his long-lost father um, and finds him off in space. And in the black hole... One of the crew members of the the Palomino. This when they stumble across the Cygnus, it's the ship her father was on when it was originally lost, and it's virgin. It's you know orbiting a black hole, which is a theoretical impossibility because the ship should have been sunk, struck in the black hole. And so it's the crew of the Palomino discovering what the Cygnus is really doing there, and it's the story of the mad scientist and the people fighting back against the mad scientist to stop him doing what he ha- what he's trying to do to prevent him being well whatever he wants to be him the next level. And it's it's got a pretty good cast. I mean, you know, Maximilian Schnell is the mad scientist. Robert Forster. Um, Robert, Robert Forster. The thing with Robert Forster is I've never really been a fan. Yeah. Until there was the black hole he's great in and there's Jackie Brown he's good. Um, I forgot he was in Jackie Brown, yeah. Joseph Bottoms didn't really do anything else as Charlie, is it Charlie Pfizer, the lieutenant in the ship? Andy Perkins. Andy Perkins, Mr. Yeah. Psycho himself. But he gets off to the film anyway by the robot. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, Ernest, Bo- Ernest Borgnine. Greatest Ernest Borgnine was? He didn't come into his own until Airwolf. Sorry. But, yeah, I agree. Totally, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Absolutely brilliant Airwolf. Yeah. But back to the black hole. <laughs> it flopped because it, it sort of... You're trying to make an action-adventure film for kids, um, for the family, and it, it was... 
a little bit too cerebral to do that and he's slow in places I mean he was downright creepy in some in places oh yeah yeah which perhaps didn't uh, you know didn't help the yeah. cause at all but, but it's, it's, it's I, I found it so influential it's um, as we said it's like sort of been used in, in Star Trek yeah it even reminds me of Event Horizon there's a little there's a bit right. of that sort yeah. of it, vibe in it as yeah. well you know Sort of a Lovecraftian undercurrent. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, especially when they go through the through the black hole and discover the dimension on the other side and what yeah actually exists beyond there. I mean, do they wink out of existence or do they go to another? Or is it like a wormhole? Is it a wormhole or do they wink out of existence? Are they taken exactly, to the plane? Yeah. Is it heaven? Is it hell? It never really explains the ending properly in the film. In the book, it waffles on a bit about them being... Sort of goes nowhere. I mean, there was an infinite possibility and they could have been transported to another universe. Yeah. Or take it to the other side of the universe, and then you could have had sequels following on where they tried to make it home. Didn't make much money, flopped tremendously. It was um, it was nominated though for uh, two Academy Awards: was best it? best cinematography and best visual effects. Well, there you go. I did not know that. I mean, I mean, I knew there was a line of toys that accompanied. There's actually a line of merchandise that followed on from the film because I had some of the figures. Oh really? So I was, yeah, I was like seven, eight when they came out. But they were incredibly difficult to find because as the toys were produced and put, sent out to the stores, the film is then released and then it starts to gradually... Oh, my goodness, look at the box office. Says this, we're not going to sell it. It's recall, 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 recall. So they become right, incredibly okay. difficult to find. And, you know, if you can find them in packaged copies of these toys, an actual packaged product, you're going to make a mint. Absolutely. Because they are just... Wow. But it's, it's, a, it's a good film. You know, it's one of those films you can sit down and watch, but it's it's a marmite film. People either love it or hate it. It holds up quite well uh, from an effects uh, perspective. Yeah, it looks really, um, really good. Which is probably why it was uh, nominated for those. It's not, you know, for that era, there was a lot of ham out there, wasn't there? There was a hammy stuff. Yeah. But, you know, a few it's more... 70s, 70s cheese, because you can't fault 70s cheese. At times, you oh, know, no, it's a brilliant. bit you... of 70s cheese is going to do. But the black hole was a bit more serious and a bit... But if you're an effects person, if you're an effects guy... Uh, and you're thinking, oh Christ, 1979, I'm not going to bother with that. Yeah, but I mean, it's like the black hole and then paved way for films like Tron, which incidentally yeah. people say, oh, Tron's fantastic, but people forget Tron flopped tremendously at the time. That's it right, was yeah. a massive. It was a kind of sleeping hit afterwards, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. And Tron look, still looks gorgeous now. I mean, the black hole looks, is, 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 it's worth watching just for the effects, just to see the film unfold in front of you and ignore some of the minor plot quibbles, like, you know, the fact when they're running around with. No spacesuits on, and they're exposed to the vacuum of <laughs> yeah. the cosmos. And you know, where's the oxygen? Who oh, It doesn't matter. Just run, run, run. Yeah. We'll be fine. But that's yeah. you've got to leave your, your brain behind, don't you? Sometimes you know, you, you don't need to pick the part of the movie to, no, to enjoy it. Yeah, but I, we grew up on Doctor Who, so you know, we used hey, to. Don't, like, you, don't you? Don't you? Don't go there. No, go there. <laughs> because there's there's no holes to be picked in any episode of Doctor Who. Doctor Who is awesome. End the story. That's an end. We'll talk about Doctor Who again further down the line. I think I've touched on a sore subject there. <laughs> Why not just kick me in the testicles? Let's talk about X-Men, shall we? It's all come to an end. Yeah. In the film franchise. I, I, I feel like they missed an opportunity there, as far as the films goes. But did um, you, what do you think of Dark Phoenix? Oh, I loved it. Honesty? 
I love it's this. a switch it's... your brain off, just go with it. Yeah, and, yeah, you know. yeah, yeah. And I'm glad they, you know, if they can end it, then I'm glad it ended that way. And it was one good last hurrah. See, I think there's a beautiful moment. The last five minutes of that film was absolutely wonderful. Right? When you've got Magneto and Charles Xavier playing chess in Paris, which mirrors the end of the first X-Men film when they're playing chess in Magneto's plastic cell. But what it suggests to me is the future's unwritten because they they are friends at this point. They are together. They're, you know, so the future's unwritten. So everything we've seen from that point on might not necessarily happen because the future's not written yet. It's, it's not going forward. Yeah, yeah. It's uncertain. Yeah. When you get the Phoenix fly over the top, overhead, you know that that uncertainty is an absolute. We've seen a possible future. We might not have seen the X Men's future, but this is what might have happened had they travelled down this path or would they, if they are about to travel down that path. It might happen still, it might not, but it leaves an uncertainty which the next part of the franchise can pick up on and move forward with. Because there will be another franchise, it's just it's not going to happen until 2022, 2023, or whatever point Disney chooses to pick up the option on that. I mean, I think we're going to see the Fantastic Four before we see... Oh, they've got, they got to do something with, better with Fantastic Four. they got to... Well, it's, it's, it's been, such it's, a missed opportunity over the years. The problem with Fantastic Four is it's the problem with the Spider-Man films before Tom Holland yeah yeah because when you look at the quality and people like the Spider-Man films mm. like Sam Raimi's Spider-Man films they're wrong <laughs> right because they're dreadful <laughs> I kind of like the Andrew Garfield Andrew Garfield's first film I thought part two was a terrible disjointed mess I like Garfield as, as Spider-Man I yeah. really liked him I thought he was a good Spider-Man but to get that sort of nervous energy and that sort of geekiness and yeah, Being a couple in your own skin when you're a teenager, Tom Holland has nailed that perfectly, and yeah. he nailed the role of Spider-Man perfectly. The sort of uh, nervous quips and you know, like talking back to people because he doesn't know how to handle himself in any situation. So all he comes out as I'm just gonna talk crap at you and see what happens. Yeah, yeah. And I thought Tom Holland's perfect. Do you think they can integrate X-Men into like the the MCU? The you know. Yeah. How I, know I've it? got a theory on how they're going to do it. Go ahead. I've also got a theory on how they're going to bring the Fantastic Four in and give the Fantastic Four an emphasis. Okay, so Namor is now in the Marvel universe. Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. Um. So you have a disturbance out at sea, which is mentioned briefly in Endgame. Yeah. Namor's the first mutant. So you take everything from the first mutant. Namor makes his appearance, so mutants become a thing in the Marvel Universe. When the first mutant appears, other mutants then appear. And you've had the explosion of the Infinity Gauntlet on Earth. Imagine what radiation is released there. How's that going to affect everybody? Okay. So I think it's going to be... They're going to bring them in gradually with Namor. Namor's traditionally one of the Fantastic Four's biggest foes. Yeah, yeah. Because you know he's in love with Sue Richards and he fights constantly against Reed Richards. And so that opens the door for both Fantastic Four and the X-Men by bringing in one character, which is Namor. And you can bring Namor into basically any other film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Any other character's film. You could, yeah, yeah. Potentially, you could bring Namor in to Winter Soldier Falcon. That's a route in for Namor. Because in the books as well, um, Black Panther right. marries Storm. Yeah. So that's much later on, though. That's, yeah, that's much later on. But, I mean, it's already sort and, of integrated in the books. You know, several, Namor and Black years, Panther right? are traditionally enemies as well. So yeah, you bring yeah. Namor in in the next Black Panther film. So, you bring Namor so he's going to next... be the connection. Right, but you can bring, if you bring him in, that opens the door to Fantastic Four, to um, the X-Men, and just opens a whole world of possibility for the next phase of Marvel films. Do you think when they come in, they'll come in with just the original X-Men? Just, I hope so. It wasn't. I absolutely hope so. Because the first band wasn't Wolverine, was it? It was. Um, no, so you're talking Cyclops, Angel, yeah, Beast, Iceman, Jean Grey, Marvel. and Iceman. Yeah, it's you know, the original core of the Mar- of Marvel's. But 
at the same time, I don't, you can have Wolverine as a separate entity and use him and introduce him the same sort of way that he was introduced into the Marvel Universe where yeah. he's fighting the Hulk. Pit Wolverine against the Hulk. Cause that was, it's a great story. It's a, an incredible storyline. And I would love to see that on screen. So, so your, your theory is Namor's going to be the one... I think Namor's going he's to be... pop up somewhere. Namor's going to be the gateway drug, yeah. And you think they've already kind of referred to that in Endgame, yeah? Yeah. Okay. Because so, they do like to plant seeds that we've in we might have missed something. Yeah, little Easter eggs here and there. Or, yeah, like a throwaway place. scene somewhere. Yeah. Uh, but I'm like, ah, back. that other story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the Black Widow film coming up, right? There's there's a um, line in I think it's the first Avengers film. Oh, this reminds me of Budapest. You and I remember Budapest very very differently. Right. right? So is that going to be? Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that opens the door for the Black Widow film, Bud- the whole Budapest. Damn, that's clever, isn't it? Yeah. But they're, they're awful like that. They will plant seeds. Ha, 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 look at this. We've done this. We've done this. We've done this. And now you've got to play catch up with this and this and this. But it's also really clever in that of all the things that make you want to buy the Disney streaming platform, right? Yeah. Apart from the Mandalorian, and apart from Kenobi, which, by any flat, I'm just so getting it. Oh, God. Yeah. And apart from the Rogue One prequel. Yeah. Because, oh. <laughs> the Marvel series alone are going to be like, you've got to go out. Oh, you, you know I am. You know I am. Just take my money. You know I am. And then you all this other amazing... Here's my wallet. Take what you need. Yeah, just, just, just card. Go. <laughs> and there's all this other amazing Disney content going to be on there. Because all the Pixar stuff's going to be on there. Absolutely every bit of Pixar. And tons from the Disney vault. So it's going to be like a Donald Duck marathon. It's just you can you can come see me in two days. I don't care. I'm just going to watch Donald Duck for two days. I'll be insane by the time it's finished. You know, I'll just be... Wah, wah, wah. Well, that sounds like a good day to me, see. That's an amazing day. Yeah. Okay. Pants. Donald, Donald Duck. <laughs> Clothes off, underpants, sofa. Yeah. Coffee. Yeah. Uh, leave me alone, people. I'm just going to watch Donald Duck. <laughs> Some days you just need that. Some days you need the pants and Donald Duck day. <laughs> you know, there's, there's nowhere to go after that. Isn't there? It really is. Yeah. A, a, a pants and Donald Duck day. <laughs> right up. <laughs> well, sorry. It was good while it lasted. Yeah. But anyway, there's X-Men books now. So I've never been a massive X-Men comics fan. Okay. Um, there's been some writers who've done incredible work on the X-Men. Um, what was your gateway into the uh, X-Men series? Chris Claremont. Right. I think the art was with John Romita. That was my X-Men. Romita's awesome. Um, and then after that, it was Joss Whedon did a run on the X-Men. Yeah. Um, which I thoroughly enjoyed. Then Brian Michael Bendis did a run on X-Men, sort of bringing the old X-Men from the 60s into the original X-Men from the 60s into the present and that was a really clever idea that was done really well but that's Bendis where he takes little snippets of ideas and goes oh let's make this great that's how you do it yeah and now there's an X-Men arc at the moment called Age of X-Men okay and Ed Brisson's just written a book called Next Gen and while most people have seen Ed Brisson writing X-Men is, I thought the book was absolutely fantastic it's not what you think it is it's completely different it's it's one of these things what do you do if the world around you is not the world you remember it being okay and that's the idea behind it so somebody who used to be an X-Man is now a student at school and his world is completely different to the way he remembers it being and it's him gradually seeing other students start to remember it and what happens why is the world different what happens when they do start to remember it and how does it affect the structure of that world and it's just fantastic it's a really clever idea and yeah. Ed Brisson executes it perfectly um, so that's next gen and you, it's one of these standalone books that you can just dive straight into and you don't have to know anything about the X universe but that's coming out soon it's, it's out now that, it was out it? last week right okay um, but it's really clever it's beautifully executed as well I'll check it out 
And check out his other stuff as well, because that dude can write. <laughs> he can really write, but he goes deep. You know, he's not... Yeah. Um, oh, we're going to write single-layered characters who just sort of fight. No, Ed Bisson likes to dive down and find out what makes his characters tick, what makes his the players and his productions actually work in synchronicity. He is he's a master of the art. He really is. Underappreciated, too. Hello, everybody. This is Igor Cavalera from Pepric, Cavalera Conspiracy. And you guys are listening to Mass Movement Podcast. We're going to have a bit of thrash. Are we? Yeah. We like a bit of thrash. We like a bit of thrash. Brand new band. From Bristol, sort of southwest way. Oh, Cider Boys. Uh, Cider Thrashers. <laughs> Cider Thrashers. <laughs> Members of Strike Back, Bar Fight. Uh, they're on Bandcamp. They've got a two-song demo out. Uh, they're called Overpower. <laughs> and their song's called Overpower. That's such an 80s name, Overpower. Oh, totally. You expect to see that. Overpower, the star of the new Nintendo's platforms <laughs> game. Well, they got that whole 80s vibe going on. You listen to this track and it's sort of... Uh, it's like, boop, 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 boop. Here comes Overpower. Make Overpower fight. Kick, punch, punch, kick, 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 punch. Ah. Overpower's down. <laughs> this is Overpower. Check it out. Overpower with Overpower. Right, so now that we've awesome. been sufficiently thrashed, let's talk to a proper thrash legend, old uh, H. Massive Rain. Yeah. They've got a new album out, and as usual, he's got an awful lot to say. Um, so, introductions time, bud. You are, you have been, and you always will be. Howard H. Smith of Acid Rain. Woo! Um, and yeah, I, mean, I, suppose, I suppose you could say that my, uh, my uh, alter ego is um, 
is Keith Platt, my uh, comedy character that I perform around the country. Um, so, uh, yeah, uh, podcast. I'm also a uh, host of the Talking Bollocks podcast. Let's get a fucking plug for that in as well. Oh, get as many as you can, brother. Get them in, get them in, get them in. So, is, is this for the um, is this for the podcast? It is for the podcast, mate. Yeah. Brilliant. Okay. Hello, people listening to the podcast. <laughs> so, for the first time around, what precipitated the, the, the demise of Acid Rains is what ninety uh, uh, tail end of eighty nine, nineteen ninety. Yeah. Well, it's funny because I, 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 I had a pretty good idea. You could ask that question. Uh, it's very, very simple. Um, you could ask. You could ask. Uh, Andy Sneed of Stab had the same question you could ask Night Rocket of Onslaught the same question um, we'd all have the same answer Fashine died that was the end of it the UK scene wasn't strong enough to um, to uh, sustain um, any bands um, right. and when and when the scene go, you know when the scene that you're a part of goes down you go down with the ship right. and we split up and a week after we split up Sabbath split up and two weeks after that Onslaught split up yeah. so you know it wasn't just us everyone just forgets that what was going on at the time but I would also like to point out that death metal did not kill thrash okay thrash turned the gun on itself in fact I know there's a load of people who get to me oh thrash never died well it went into a fucking coma <laughs> um you know but uh, it, thrash thrash turned the gun on itself because basically stopped innovating you know right. every every thrash album was just like you know Oh, they've done a ballad. Oh, they've got a song about how Mother Earth is dying, you know, and, and it was just, it was just, you know, really just lame, really, you know. Nobody was, nobody was, you know, there was none of that innovation going on. Thrash, you know, came out and it was like, oh, fuck, this is amazing, this is incredible. And it burned bright and then it, and, and, but it burned out. At the same, you know, at the same time, kids were drifting away from Thrash because, um, because of that, and then up on the rails comes, you know, death battle and grunge and everything else, which is really fucking exciting and different. And um, you know, that's you know, that, that's basically what happened, in in my opinion. The thing is, thrash went through a stage when it was incredibly exciting, then it just like I said, it stopped innovating because it became lazy and started believing its own hype almost. And it, it, it... Yeah, well, you know, it's it, it, the thing is, you know, the writing's on the wall when um, major labels snap it up. Um, thrash band. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because it's like, oh right, okay, so it's all it's part of the establishment now. It's 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 turning into what it sort of, you know, the whole appeal of thrash in the first place was that it was just so fucking out there, different from everything else. And so underground, um, you know, it was it was it was yeah, something, yeah. yeah. And it went it went from underground to mainstream really fucking quickly. And yeah. the thing is, you know, death metal is a great example. It's never mainstream. You know, it's never no. gone mainstream. A major label has never signed a full-on fucking death metal band. And that, and 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 look at death metal. It, it, not only not only did it come up around the same time as Thrash died, it's it, it's never gone away. If anything, it's just got stronger and stronger and branched out into different you know different genres and stuff like that, which is which is awesome. You know, and that's and that's what Thrash should have done. And that's why you know, and this might be a, I might be preempting a question that you're going to ask later, but right. oh, what new what new Thrash bands do you listen? No, I, no, I, w- I wouldn't even begin to ask that question because <laughs> that's just right. not that's not well, my thing, as you well know. It's just yeah, <laughs> you, you know. Well, well the, the, the answer to that is I'll tell you who are not interested in listening to, right. and that is bands who are recording albums and they're stood there on the back of the album sleeve with their drain pipe jeans on and their fucking high techs wearing their brand new Irons Creator t-shirts. 
shit like that. And it's just like, guys, this is what fucking ruined it in the first place, you yeah. idiot. <laughs> don't be just copying 20-year-old music and think you're somehow keeping the scene alive. You're not. That's just no, and, I, and I know, you know, I know maybe you can't innovate so much in fashion. People might listen to our album and go, fuck me, you haven't innovated at all. Yeah. And, you know, go, go fuck yourself. <laughs> you know what? I'd say, fair dues, yeah, good point, well made. But, um, you know, it, it's, I, you know, bands coming through, I want to hear somebody doing different, I want to hear, I want to hear something and go, wow. Now, a lot of people call alien weaponry, I know I'm going off on it, going off No, no, that's it. fine, you go, you strap, go. Strap yourself in, and <laughs> listeners, you too as well, right? Um, but, I, you know, everyone was raging about alien weaponry, and I was like, oh, right, okay, I'm going to have a listen to this. For a start, okay, this is a fact, not a thrash band, okay? They are a band who have some thrash songs. They are not a thrash band, right? Right. They've got and and for me, you know, you oh, they're really young, and for me, yeah, I, can, I can tell that they're really young because the the song structures are are not great. Yeah. Um. And I, but but you know, I, I yeah, poor lad. Like you know, I have suddenly decided Mister signed a record deal when he was seventeen, and now I'm slagging off young. I'm not. <laughs> I'm just saying there is a there is a good band in there. And I'm personally saying, I think by about album number three, right. they'll be absolutely killing it. But right now, for me, the first album has got some potential, and that is it. You know, Check um, out a band on Southern Lord called High Command. They've just released an album called Beyond the Wall of Devastation. You're going to love it. Seriously. That is innovation. Yeah. It, it's, in, it's looking back to the past, but it's bringing it into the future by pushing innovation and taking stuff from like the whole metalcore scene and adding it to the thrash thing it's, it's they are really really good oh right okay well I, look, I, you know I'm, I'm, I'm bang up for that and um, I mean look you, we, we've tried to update you know we've tried to have one eye on the past but also update and, yeah. and, and, and create an album for now that's contemporary so you you call the band of today the Acid Rain now it's a reboot not a reformation right of course yeah yeah so why a reboot is it because it's just you and you guys, or is it? Is there another reason? No, no, no. I mean, basically, it's it's um it's simple as this. You know, that I, I can remember word for word the opening of our very first press release when we came back, right. which is, it's not a reformation, it's a reboot. Right. We tried to reform, but it didn't work out, so it's this or nothing. <laughs> okay. So there you go. You know, yeah. I mean, and literally it was. It was, you know, me, Mac, Ramsey, and Adam. We had three rehearsals together. Um, and Kev never managed to make any of them because um, he was on the road um, crewing for somebody at the time, and um, and just and, and as time wore on, you know, bit you know, one by one they they dropped out. Ramsey was first, then Adam, uh, Mac was was still in it right up until a few months before we we got paid, you know, and and, and we, we got offered some dates, and he realised he wasn't going to be able to do the dates, and then he realised he wasn't going to be able to do the band at all. Right. So so then it was just it was like you know Chris. I'd already actually Mac was on board with the reboot. It's you know me and Mac were the originals, and, yeah. and we and Paul you know Paul was involved at that stage because um, Paul was going to be involved with the reformation. He was going to pay. He was going to be Kev for any gigs that Kev couldn't make. Right. Um, you know uh, I'm it, ultimately we it, it just didn't happen. It didn't happen because we you know we just couldn't we couldn't make it happen. Um, and everybody, you know, I mean, you know, Adam has been in touch saying how much he liked the new low. Ramsey's been in touch saying how much he liked the new low. He's looking forward to hearing the album. Mac thinks the new album is the best British UK thrash album. It's the best UK thrash album of all time. 
he's absolutely in love with it. Um, and I, have, I, I don't know what Kev thinks because I, I haven't spoken to him recently. But um, you know, it's all it, it's all good in the hood, but um, it, it it just never happened. But the thing is, when it all started, um, I was you know happily pursuing my comedy career as I still am. Yeah. And um, and um, and and I was kind of like, well, yeah, okay, you know, I'm up for doing a few gigs, but you know, I'm, I'm not. You know, I wasn't like, oh my god, isn't this wonderful? But by the time we'd rehearsed a few times, and we're all talking about set lists and stuff like that, I'd really got into it. And then one by one, everyone dropped out, and I was just like, oh, I really want to fucking do this now. <laughs> you bastards. <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm stood there, you know, stood there in the rehearsal room on my own with my dick in my hand, thinking, hang on. You know, like, I, the... I, I still want to do it. And, and then I was going to have a, then I thought about putting a fresh project together. Right. And then, and then, one night I went to bed and I just I, and I just I was lying there in bed and I just thought why don't I put a flash project together why don't I just call it fucking acid rain for fuck's sake well, yeah, okay. you know why yeah. don't we just get out there and do that now some people have said not many because right. the, the the new lineup has been absolutely welcomed back you know beyond our wildest dreams how well it's been received right. well you know a couple of people have said oh you know you really shouldn't you shouldn't really call it acid rain yeah. and it's like well Given our set is made up entirely of acid rain songs, what the fuck do you think we should call it? Yeah, but at the, the same yeah. at the same time, were they there when acid rain were there the first time? Were they on stage playing with you guys? No, were they just you know do one? Is that well, simple? Well, not only that, but not only that, but the, this this person also suggested that um, call it you know H and friends or something like that. Or you a kids show? Are you on a midday? You know, catching the preschool crowd? I don't think so. Nah. But but, but mate, also it's it, you know what people are unaware of. Yeah the outside looking in is they're completely unaware uh, of how the music business works and each and friends ain't getting booked by no one no nobody is booking that band no fucking no one and no yeah. one no so, one's going to give you fucking petrol money to travel from London to anywhere else to see H and friends I'm sorry it's, it's just not going to yeah, happen yeah. Like. They, they wouldn't give you petrol money to go from one side of London to the fucking other side of London to, no. see, to see that no um, but then again you know you know the the, the beauty of social media is that people is that I'm, we're, we're always getting great get, we're always getting advice from people oh you should put this out on splatter vinyl you should put this out on a cassette because cassettes are making a real comeback they're fucking not by the way no, really no, no. Oh, and they shouldn't either you see how much but, people are charging for cassette yeah. players fuck that shit the worst oh the worst format ever <sighs> oh you know you, oh I've got oh there's a brilliant song on this album yeah yeah oh yeah I'll play it to you have you got five minutes because I'm just going to have to fucking forward and rewind it until I can find the back yeah I've got to queue up the start so you can hear this intricate riff like no I'm not having that that's nonsense yeah. I, I always, I always love it when people go like, "Oh, you, you know, you, you should put the album out on cassette." There's a real, there's a, there's a real, um, there's a real resurgence. What that person should be doing is not using the word "should." It's saying, um, I, "I tell you what, what I would like you to do yeah. would put that on cassette because they want it on cassette. Oh, oh. Instead, of, uh, it's instead it's framed of, "Oh, you should do this." And I, I always, I'm always amazed about people telling us what we should do. Um, and uh, you know you got people telling you what you should do and it's like oh right okay brilliant um, <laughs> you've never been in a band never written a song never been to a rehearsal never signed to a record label never been in the studio never released anything never made a video never done a gig never met any fans never done anything like that in fact you're a postman but seriously no give me your advice about what we should do <laughs> yeah. please do 
<laughs> it's always the same, man. You know, everybody's got an opinion, and it just they're just like assholes. Everybody's opinion stinks, and if just look at it that way, and that's the best way forward. You've seen what the critical reception has been like so far. You know, like knobheads like yeah. me have been telling you what we think of it and offering our opinions and our reviews. And I mean, how how's that made you feel? Do you, the sort of response to it. it? Do you know what? It, it, it's a buzz, and it's and it's really great to hear, but it's also a bit of a relief. <laughs> um, okay. But no, but it, it is. In fact, do you know what? It, I mean, I'm, I, I, I think people are all supposed to do this. You tend to focus more on the negative. Do you know what I mean? And it yeah, yeah. certainly is a, as, as a comedian, I, you know, whenever, if, 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 if I've got a room of people, I'll tell you how you know who, somebody who's a genuine, genuine a comedian is when they walk off stage into the dressing room and they've just absolutely smashed it. And you look at them and they go, that was great. And they go, see that guy in the uh, back shirt, uh, um, uh, third, the second row? Yeah? Never last once. Yeah, you missed the he missed the he missed the feeding line. He missed the punchline. He didn't get it, and that's what that yeah. that's what you focus on is that one person there that doesn't get what you're trying to do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, but the thing but the thing is, it's the mentality of of, of uh, I hate to use the word, but an artist, which is which is it's like if you're making ninety nine people in a room laugh, yeah, why is that kind of not laughing? Exactly. You know, it's like it's about him. It's like well. I'm, and you're almost taken for granted wrongly. But the thing is, I've seen comedians fuck gigs up because they're trying to because they're trying to win uh, right. someone over, and 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 you know they forget to look after the other people who are really enjoying it. Um, but to be yeah, it, it, so I you, you do tend to focus on on the negative ones. Um, but I'm I'm really not taking um, the good reviews for granted because certainly speaking from a personal point of view, yeah. I've had enough bad reviews in my in, in my career. You know, I mean, at, at fucking 18 years old, right. um, getting hammered in Kerrang. At 19 years old, the Kerrang review basically saying um, that if I should really want to continue, they need to kick me out because I'm going to hold them back. I mean, little did I know what an absolute fucking nightmare that was to, to live through. I mean, I look back on it now and I was just, I was in biz. I was uh, suffering from anxiety for probably a, a solid two years because every time the phone rang, at home, I just assumed it was either going to be the label or the management saying you're out of the band. Literally, yeah. but it's all because one writer wants to be a clever arsehole and he said something like that to try and boost his profile and make himself look bigger. That's all that is. That's not taking an objective look at the thing. They're just saying, I don't like this front man, so I'm going to give him shit, and that's all it's about. Well, it's, well to be honest, I can't agree with that because that's that that's a that's a very now kind of um, take on it. But this is back in the this is back in the in the eighties. It was a genuine opinion. I met you know it was Paul Miller who, who was who was the uh, the reviewer. It was a genuine opinion. Right. He he wrote absolutely he wrote wonderful things about about me as a front man. He said I was quite he said I was head and shoulders the best for, you know fan um, of any you. He he was praise. He didn't like my voice. He didn't like what I did. And and he told me to my face. So I I didn't have a problem with that. But having said that. Six months after that review, um, he was uh, he was killed. So um, you know, shit. That's don't give me a bad review. <laughs> that's, the, uh, that's, the, uh, that's the takeaway. <laughs> I mean, I made light of it. I made light of it. He was actually he was actually um, he was uh, he was run over by a bus on his bike on the way to the Crown Office. And um, and yeah, you know, it was um, it was very sad at the time. Most 
like self-respected thrashers like me at that time and my my we weren't reading Quran, so we weren't paying any attention to the stuff they said anyway. So that had no yeah. sort of follow-through or bearing on what we were listening to. So it wouldn't, have, you know, if he'd said something like that, it would just be, oh, it's just fucking Quran, and all they care about is poodle rock warriors, and they don't know anything about anything anyway. You know what I mean? So it's and and, and that's great, but when it's when you're the subject of the review, yeah, it's still going to be you who ends up with the. It, 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 I, I, yeah. I, you know, I wasn't worried about the impact on the bands. On the band as a whole, right? I, I, I was, I was suffering from anxiety. I was absolutely fucking gutted. The guy ripped me apart. Right. So, uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I wasn't worried about. Oh, it's a bad review. I was just fucking devastated. So, from do you, a personal point of view, do you think that was the lowest point in your career? You know, as a comedian and as um, the frontman of Acid Rain. Well, I, you know, the, the two are very different. Let's not confuse. Yeah. I didn't start being a, a, a comedian until many years after Acid Rain finished. Yeah. But um, as a performer, then, uh, as, as a performer, do you think that was the low point of your career? Um, yeah, probably actually. Right. Probably, yeah. Um, uh, I mean, it, like I said, the, the the impact that it had on me at that age is um, didn't become clear until years later. Mm. Years later. Um, uh, and um, you know, uh, my, my my parents didn't realise because I, I I must have you know I must have just covered it up and brassed it out. And yeah. um, and funnily enough, when we were when when the original lineup were getting back to, to together to rehearse, we we met up for a beer first, and we had a chat, and, and all sorts of stuff like this came out. And I was saying, like you know, I was absolutely pieces, my self confidence was in tatters, and all the rest of it. And uh, and Adam was like amazed. He was like, yeah, but, he said, I always thought you were like one of the most confident people I've ever met. And I was like, dude, I was in pieces. I was dying inside. Um. And and of course, you know, we were you know we were all teenagers. You know, we weren't going to sit down and have a conversation about feelings. We're fucking, you know, teenage Yorkshiremen. Christ, <laughs> you know, why talk about feelings when you can just get pissed? Well, teenage Yorkshiremen in the eighties as well. You know what I mean? That's it's like <laughs> absolutely different, yeah, absolutely. different world completely, brother. So I was wondering about the live test with the songs from the new record. What have you been playing live? How have they gone over with crowds? I don't know. We haven't played any. You haven't played any uh, yet. Sorry, I, no, I do. No, I do. Well, sorry. Um, Saturday it was the first time we we played. Well, uh, we did hobos in Bridgend the day before we went in the studio to start the album. When we were and, and we 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 played yeah. the new low, and we and we but we told everybody there nobody was allowed to film it. If anyone took a phone out to try and film it, we'd just stop playing. Yeah, and you'd ruin it for everybody. They said this is for us and you. And everybody just fucking applauded, put the phones away, and we played the new line. Oh, it, it, however, however, it's slightly different now. Um, we, we changed it in the studio. Things happen, you know. Yeah. You, somebody improvises something, and then you go, oh, fucking hell, yeah, do that. And it's all good. But um, on last Saturday, uh, just over a week ago, we played Uprising in Leicester, and we played the new yeah. line, and we also played, a, we also played a, another new one, Ripped Apart. The weird thing is, the new low, which obviously... Is out as a single and people know went down well. Yeah, ripped apart that people have never heard just fucking brought the roof down. I mean, people were going nuts. Well, <laughs> I mean, there's stuff. There's stuff. I mean, I I had to give up stage diving ten years ago. My knees are gone. That's it. I couldn't do that shit. You still do it, right? Well, I, I look. There's 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 a very there's a very simple reason, you know. There's a very there's a very easy um, uh, explanation as to why I'm the Peter Pan of UK thrash. <laughs> um, Surgery. No wife, no kids. No, no wife, no kids, mate. There is no that. Wife, no there, kids. There is that. There so, is that. 
Yeah. You know, I mean, my my you know my children are you know are are, are my other things I do. You know, I mean, right. I, I you know I do podcasts. I'm, I do the band. I do stand up comedy. I do a few other things. I'm not going to mention it. Um, <laughs> but um, but it, you know that that's that they're my kids. That I spend all my time um, working on stuff like that. I mean, you know, as I said to you before we started recording the interview. Yeah. I, I have literally been just responding to emails, doing this, doing it. I'm all today has just disappeared. But that's 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 my life. That's who I am, you know. And mm-hmm. uh, I, that's that's the way I've always been. I, I'd love to have time for a relationship in my life. I would love somebody, you know, um, special in my life. I would love a, a you know, um, to 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 meet um, that you know. I was going to say a young lady, but you know, not going not going to be young now. I mean, <laughs> I'm 49, but. Um, but yeah, everything has everything has a price. Everything has a payoff. Yeah. So you might you might stand in the crowd with your aching knees going, "Fucking hell, look at that! Look at him! Oh wow! You know, I, I you know I, I wish I was that fit. I wish I was that you know I wish I was that, or I wish I was doing that." But at the same token, you know, you've got you've got a wife. I know you've got um, a daughter yeah, as yeah. well, and and, and and well, all of that and that lovely home life and that, that family life. Well, you have to give that away. You have to turn your back on that and walk away from that. Yeah, there you is. Because you used to be like thrash clowns, you know what I mean? Everything for a laugh, sense of humour was at the forefront. Now, you've got a seriously focused band behind you. So that's gone to the background. And the music has come before rather than the humour. Yes, yes. I mean, you might... Well, actually, yeah, you, you haven't seen the packaging yet. But when people see the packaging, what they'll realise is there are no jokes Yeah. anywhere on the album. There is also... And I'm I'm waiting for people to people might notice it, and they might not. There, there is no there's no UK Apple Core anywhere. No. Um, no. There's no there's no um, there's no jokes. There's no there's no you know there's no pissing about at all. Um, and there's a good reason for that, and that is because our live show will always be our live show. Right. And there is no need for us to be and you use the phrase clowning around especially with a clown on the cover yeah um the thing is that kind of overshadowed um, the music back then you know what i mean and now it's not that's exactly yeah that is exactly where i was going with it that's exactly what i was going to say it just detracts it detracts um so you just find yourself going do you know what our live show is our live show but you know people who don't know us i want them to pick up the album and go right this looks fucking Serious slash record. I've heard. I've heard this is pretty fucking, you know, heavy. Yeah. And um, and and funnily enough, I did an interview um uh, the other week where something where uh, the 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 reviewer was saying they actually found it. They actually found the album quite dark. It's which, not light. Um, let's put it that way. <laughs> 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 uh, <laughs> uh, well, no, I mean, uh, there's you know, the blood makes noise. The, you know, the the Suzanne Vega cover that we've done that yeah. that's, that's literally pretty much the only kind of um, respite everything else is pretty it's pretty fucking you know straight hitting you straight between the eyes yeah, yeah. I mean talking about making this musical progression is there anything you sort of miss about the old days yes um, money <laughs> <laughs> Um, making money from uh, from a gig, um, wow. making money from selling you know merchandise and uh, well no I mean look 
don't get me wrong, um, we're not on the breadline, but we're certainly not, you know. Uh, I mean, but I, one thing I can say is, since this band started, and again, this highlights, you know, how dedicated um, we all are. Right. Um, but especially, you know, the four guys coming from all fucking corners of the country. Um, we have not taken a single penny out of the band since we came back. Right. You know, we, we have, ne- you know, we, we've done tours, all the money just gets plowed back into the band. And because, of, you know, we knew we were going to have to buy, we knew we were going to have to make an album at some point, so we knew we had to have some money to, to pay for that. Right. But you have to have, you have to have money in the bank. You can't exist without having, a, you know, a chunk of change in the bank because you, you know, you never know when stuff is going to come up. And, um, and the closest, the closest that we've, we've come to actually, you know, taking anything out of the band was, um, we played a gig in Gran Canaria in January. Right. Um, it was awesome. Like January the 5th, there we were in Gran Canaria, 70 degrees, paddling in the sea like a bunch of kids. <laughs> and we were there, we went there for four days. We were staying in an apartment complex with the promoter. Right. Um, and he said, look, come over. He said, look, Basically, it's not it, you know. I can't offer you uh, I, I can't offer you a great fee, but what I can do is you know give you a, a, a four day holiday that also has a gig in it, which will be really cool. And we're like, right, that'll okay. do. And I just thought, and I, well, the thing is as well, I thought at the time that you know what, we're we're all have been working on nuts off on the album. Let's you know, let's have this as a an acid rain holiday, a treat to ourselves. So we went and did it, and it's one of the best things we've ever done, if you ask me. I mean, it was just, all five of us just had an absolute riot. It was absolutely brilliant. We had such a laugh. We got to see some amazing sights. We got to we got to play Gran Canaria, went on stage at half past two in the morning. <laughs> brilliant. Um, you know, uh, I, I mean, it was, it was we played, we, the, the gig, the gig was a venue in, uh, in the, in the, um, lower ground floor of a shopping mall and it was in a rock club that was sandwiched between um, uh, fisting bars and pissing clubs. That's someone you could tell your grandkids about somewhere down the line if you ever meet that woman. Well, apparently <laughs> Gran Canaria is, is, a, um, uh, is, a, is a kind of European gay capital. The, sign, the signs are in Spanish and German. Apparently the Germans love it there. Right. Okay. And, and when they and when they have when they have their their their, um, their gay pride parade, yeah, it goes on for a week. Not a day. It's a week. That's gonna be one so, hour uh, a week to be there, though, eh? That, that that's but, gotta um, be some serious yeah, fun. There was all sorts of. There was all sorts of. It, it, so yeah, that, but that whole experience was fucking great. Absolutely great. We all went away. We had that time. We had a free holiday. It mm. all it all it all paid for itself. So that's but, like that. Um, so that's from a career low with the old band to like a career high with the new band. I, w- I wouldn't. I wouldn't say it's a career high. It was a <laughs> well, human experience high. Personal. Band, well, personal high then. The, well, no. I mean, I would say. I would say for me, yeah. Acid Rain's career high. Yeah. Um, would have been the would have been the obnoxious tour, but I would say that the biggest best gig this band has ever done was Bloodstock 2016. And that's, right. you know, that's, you know, basically covering the entire length of our career. Um, that gig is, is, is the highlight for me. Okay, um, so... It was, it was, it was awesome. If there's one thing you could change about Acid Rain's history, just one thing, what would it be? Oh, God. I'll tell you what, one answer I would give yeah. is that, is that 
I, I mean, I'm very, very proud of the the legacy of the you know of the first band. Right. The one thing I would the one thing I would change is we've we've already talked about it, which is the the, the jokey image being the focus as opposed to the right. fact that we were a serious thrash metal band. Yeah. And that got lost. And the thing is, as well, is that back in you know back back when we were around, you were defined by what the press wrote about you, yeah. said about you. Um, now. Um, if people, you know, if people tried to, if people tried to say, oh, you know, if if, if Acid Rain came out now, um, and lazy journalists would say, oh, you know, they're, they're, they're a bunch of clowns and they decided they're going to be serious and blah, blah blah, people would be hammering them and saying, they're a fucking joke band. You, yeah. you not listen to the records. Yeah. You're not read the lyrics. They're a serious fucking band. Well, that's the thing. But back in the day, that wasn't the case. So you got you got painted a, a certain way by certain people, and that and that was that. And you had. You know, you you had no you had no kind of recourse. There's no there was no right to reply. You right. That that was it. Did and, it? Um, Nobody else had the platform. Yeah. It was just the music just journalism as a whole had that platform to put that message across. Nobody else had a similar platform to to, uh, to act as a rebuttal or to say, well, wait a minute, let's talk about this. It, it just wasn't there. It didn't exist. Well, exactly. And see, the thing is, this is why this is why you know, am I you know, you, you ask me anything I miss from the old days. I kind of said like you know, money. Yeah. Well, yeah. You know, there being there being any money in the music business, and I don't mean that because you know I want to be rich. I mean, as in, it'd be nice not to be constantly fucking looking at the bank balance and trying to figure out ways of you know just cutting every corner possible to to make stuff work. Uh-huh. You don't lose money because yeah. being in a band of our of our size is about not losing money. It's not about making money. It's about not losing it. Yeah. Well, there, um, there's no money in the music business anymore at all anywhere. It's just it's, it's it's gone across the board. I mean, there are very there are few people making a lot of money, but for the majority of people working in the business, there is nothing. If you were in, the, I would say the difference is that um, back in the day, if the top twenty five percent were were earning a decent living, and maybe like you know the top five percent, you know, or you know, or ten Yeah, you know, it's um, it's 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 all it's all positive. It's all positive. 
in the acid rain camps at the moment. I mean, you know, it can't not be with the album due to come out in a few days. I mean, yeah. we're, all, we're all excited. I'm like a fucking kid on Christmas. I'm like a dog <laughs> with two dicks. I can't, can't bloody wait. <laughs> so what are your thrash do's and don'ts? One, you know, your definitive rules of thrash and your, your, you can't do that kind of thing. You know, the thrash do's and don'ts. Well, I, it's straight off the bat. Straight off the bat. Yeah. There ain't no fucking rules. It's rule number one. <laughs> there ain't no rules. Fuck that. I've never, you know, no, 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 you know, if there, were, if there was rules, it'd yeah. be, you know, we'd be back at school. Um, <laughs> No, no, no rules. Okay. You are talking to somebody who got a red card for diving off a PA stack from from the people working at the uh, the, uh, the Leicester O2 Academy on Saturday. Mm. And apparently, um, I wasn't supposed to do that. But um, I didn't even know there was a card system in place until 10 <laughs> minutes after I came off stage. So, you know, they'd probably want to fucking sort that out themselves. <laughs> well, but, um, make you aware that there is a, there's a system in place here, young man. You mustn't do that. That's, that's a definite no-no. Well, I, in all seriousness, if, yeah. if they'd come into our dressing room before we went on and said, look, you know, here's some do's and don'ts um, as regards the venue and all the rest of it, do you know what? I would have absolutely obeyed by, I would have absolutely obeyed by those rules. Right. Because, you know, when you've got a venue basically saying to you, look, you know, you know, please don't do this, please don't do that, please don't, it's not fucking clever to then go out there and, and do all the stuff they've told you not to do. Because there's people's livelihoods at stake. Yeah, there's yeah. licenses at stake. You only need some fucker from the council to decide to pop in and see this gig. And, and you know, you're there being an arsehole breaking every rule in the book and the council shut the place down or pull a license or, or put a, a, you know, um, a, a temporary order on it. And that doesn't help anyone. Oh, uh, wait, oh, well, your, gig, your gig's been cancelled at, uh, at some. Oh, wow, I've got an arse. Drain decided, despite the fact that we told him not to do all these things, he fucking did it anyway and well, ruined it for everyone. I think that's something so, you, you, know, you, you learn as you get older, anyway. It's like a sense of responsibility, realizing your actions have consequences for not just yourself but for other people around you, you know? Well, kind of, and then you dive off a PA stack, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and you just think, fucking to uh, do it anyway, yeah, yeah. But, but thrash do's and don'ts, fuck that. Yeah. Right, so following on, everybody's got one definitive thrash record, one record that for them, when they when you think about thrash man, you just go straight to this new. Okay, yeah, that's it. That's my that's my number one. What's yours? The Age of Entitlement by Acid Rain. <laughs> hey, I mean, for fuck's sake, come on, you're gonna have me, you're gonna have me on when we've got a new album out, <laughs> and I'm gonna no, plug this some, is... I'm gonna plug fucking Rain in Blood, am I? No, this I'm is this is give Metallica a shout out. It must be puppets. Not those guys. <laughs> they've, they've got careers. Come on. <laughs> it's it's, it's a rain time. This, this, that's the answer I wanted you to give because I knew it was the answer you were going to give. End of fucking story. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? When you were asking the question, I started, yeah. I straight away, my mind started, you know, flicking through my my my, my mental record collection. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and I was like flicking, I was flicking through the usual, I was flicking through the usual records, and I just thought, what the fuck am I doing? You idiot! <laughs> it's a chance to plug your album again. <laughs> Do that. All right. So, what's in the immediate future for Acid Rain now? Um. Friday, yep. uh, October the 11th, down at uh, Boston Music Rooms in London. We're doing the um, the kind of album celebration show. That's going to be awesome. We have got we've got exclusive merch no one's seen. We've got um, uh, blue vinyls. We've got CDs. We've got posters. We've got beanies. We're we're doing a, a sell off of uh, of all the old merch. We're going to be selling that off cheap. Um, we've we've got 
Kumatai playing, we've got Shrapnel playing. Um, we're, we're also going to be involved in, in, in what songs got played on the night. We're not doing any stupid fucking online hole or anything like that. <laughs> but we'll throw it out there at certain times during the set. Do you want this one or do you want this one? It's up to you guys. Right. You know. And, um, you know, so then, then that gone. Then we've got part one of the tour entitlement, which is starts on, um, uh, when does it start? Uh, it starts on December the 5th. Right. So December the 5th, we are in Scarborough with Diamond Head. Um, I mean, there's, there's a sentence I've ever said in my life. Um, uh, December the 6th, we are at the Audio Glasgow, uh, which is, uh, which is a dark day. Um, December the 7th, uh, Dublin Grand Social. Uh, December the 8th, uh, Belfast Voodoo and back over here. And then the Tour of Entitlement Part 2 is looking at being probably February 2020. Right, so are you any plans to head out to Europe or the US? Um, you, have, you have to wait and see what um, what the reception for the album is. You know, right. no, you know, no US promoters and European promoters are going to be knocking our door down before the album comes out. No, no. So it's very much a case of everybody seeing what the reaction to the album is. We wanna, we're going to drive it like we stole it. We're going to ride this till the wheels come off. You know, that's 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 the way to do it. That's the that's the aim. That's yeah. the aim. I mean, you know, I'd do it on the fucking moon if, if you know if we got offered it. You're the box um, set as well. Plug the box set. Plug the box set. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So we've got the we've got the Acid Rain Anthology, 1987 to 2017 coming out. It's a four disc box set. The first three discs is basically the Apple Core archives. Yep. The fourth disc is Blind Aggression Live from the Astoria, which um, was the only song that was missing from the archives. We managed to find it off the flexi disc of Kerrang! and we've got a decent version of it. We've got that. We've got the demos for Obnoxious. We've got Plan of the Damned and The Man Who Became Himself. We've got the demos of both of those songs as well. We've also got a song called No on there, which is the first thing Paul and I ever wrote. And the song is called No because basically the suggestion was that we, we, we made it together that um, basically says that we're not reforming and when anybody uh, comes on the Acid Rain page and says you know are you guys ever going to reform I can send them a link for that song and they listen to it and go oh right I guess not so uh, but that, that kind of ended up blowing up in our faces didn't it it did indeed and um, and also there's um, uh, Cerebral Scars version of Goddess which um, which I guessed on as well that's going to be on there as well so there's an extra there's a, there's a disc with 10 songs on it um, and um yeah, so anyway, that box set's coming out. Um, I'm not sure the release date, actually. I think it's the end of October. Right. Um, and, and, I don't think right. I've said this anywhere yet, so this might be a bit of a uh, mass movement podcast. Exclusive. Moschkenstein, The Fear, and Obnoxious will all be coming out. Moschkenstein will be coming out reissued, the remastered Moschkenstein reissued on gatefold blue vinyl. Blimey. And the fear remastered gatefold on yellow vinyl and obnoxious remastered gatefold on I guess you can imagine what colour pink vinyl. vinyl will be on. It's gonna be and, pink. Yep. Absolutely shocking pink. <laughs> you know, shocking fucking pink. Somebody asked me, Are you gonna are, are you still gonna use that cover or are you gonna are you gonna rework up a, a, a you know a different one? Are you fucking joking? That, that album is famous slash infamous for that yeah. fucking shitty pink cover. No way! No way would I fuck with that. You know? <laughs> oh, I, that shit is shit, and that shit's coming out again. 
<laughs> well, that shit is so your not... shit, so be happy about that shit coming out again. Exactly. Yeah. Good time to be an acid rain fan. And, you know, big shout out to Dissonance as well, who've, who've backed all of this, you know? I yeah. mean, literally, initially, it was just, it was just, let's do the new album, great, okay. And then Steve, who runs Dissonance, rang me up and he goes, should we, uh, should we do the archives again? I was like, oh, do you know what? That's an idea, because people are always moaning that they can't get hold of them anymore. And 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 then I and then I suddenly thought, actually, no. Do you know what? I was, you know, but there's other stuff as well. Fuck it, yeah, let's do it for this, right? Okay, but brilliant, okay. And then I was like, should we put should we put them out on vinyl again as well? You're like, yeah, fucking hell, wow, let's put them out on vinyl again. <laughs> so I mean, you know, it's it's if I was an acid rate, I mean, I don't want to come across all Lars Ulrich, but, yeah. um, and that's uh, it's another phrase <laughs> that I thought I'd say. Um, but I'm, you know, I'm an acid rain fan. You know, I, I, I curate this name. You know, that's been, it's been with me since I was a fucking 15, 16 years old. Um, and 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 I care about it, and I'm passionate about it, and and I want, I all I want to do is create really cool shit for people to, you know, buy, download, wear, put on a wall, whatever it is, whatever it is, I want it to be really cool. So the posters for the album are really cool. Our beanies are really cool. The t-shirts are really cool. Well, you know, everything is done because I want Acid Rain fans to go, fuck me, this is awesome. This is really cool. Yeah. And I understand that some people will, will see the anthology coming out and go, oh, for fuck's sake. Do you know what I mean? I really can't afford 15, 20 quid to buy a four-disc box set for it's essentially one disc. And I absolutely get that. You know, I absolutely get that. By the same token, Some of us still do, brother. You know what I mean? No, oh, well, and, and, and Tim, I, I know you do. And thank you, you know, thanks for all of your, your support and your backing. I really do appreciate it. Howard, thank you, brother. Much appreciated. To everybody listening, thank you for still listening. I do go on, so well done. You got to the end. This <laughs> is the end. You're not going to have to listen to me anymore. You know, you deserve a fucking medal. But just remember this. Just remember this. You can switch this off and go away. I have to live with me. Okay, that was Hate of Acid Ring. Um, there's a new uh, New York hardcore film on the horizon. There is, at the matinee, and it is rather splendid. It's a big thing, though, isn't it, New York hardcore? It's, um... It is, it is, but this is um, more about the shows that sort of made New York a global phenomenon. Phenomenon? Phenomenon. Made it into the thing it was, because you know, every, when you think of New York hardcore, you think of one club, you think of CBGBs. Yeah. Right, well, every rather, time. I think of CBGBs. Every time, That's, yeah. yeah. So, it's all about the, the history of the Sunday matinees of CBGBs, how hardcore found its home in CBGBs, um, and how the two became sort of interlinked, how New York hardcore and CBGBs became almost inseparable. Walter Schreifel's act as the MC of the film, Okay. So it's him acting as the guide to how 
it all happened and he speaks to various people along the way so you know he'll be talking you'll talk to um Ernie Parada the thumbnail talks to Ernie Parada and other sort of New York luminaries Vinnie Value okay cool in there um yes and it just takes all this and it avoids talking to people I mean John Joseph's in it briefly but it sort of avoids really the bigger figures from New York hardcore and takes in so there's people on the side who were there all the way through apart from Craig's yeah. Atari Craig's in the film but you know Craig is New York hardcore yeah and when you think of New York hardcore I always think like Craig's Atari bouncing about playing with Straight Ahead or playing with Youth Today or the Crow Mags or Agnostic Front Sick of It All he's I played know. with the top three hasn't he he's played with Sick of It All Crow Mags Agnostic Front yeah I mean it doesn't get much better than that no nobody else has no. done that and just for funny there's like Straight Ahead and well yeah I mean you know, know which are straight, also like well Straight Ahead was Straight Ahead was his first was his first hardcore band and yeah that's Straight how he got it's Youth Today yeah which I asked him about at one point but we're not going to say talk about what Craig Ahead said about being in Youth Today because that's if you want to know come and ask me at a bar somewhere go, even better go and ask Craig himself and Craig will tell you the story because <laughs> I don't want Craig coming to knock me out anywhere because he would just take my head off <laughs> <laughs> I got Craig uh, Satari story. Actually, okay. it involves my brother. Okay. Totally elated. Um, Craig Satari one time. <laughs> Knocked him out. <laughs> no, well, no. It was um, Sigur Rós Mabo tour together a few years back. Right. It was that New York tour, wherever it was, remember? Yeah. And uh, my brother walked into a, like a restaurant or a chippy or something like that. Yeah. Get some food. And he sees Freddie Mabo there. Right. So he's like, oh, Freddie, can I grab a photo with you? Turns around to the nearest person he can find. Yeah. Says, take a photo of us, mate. And so the guy there is taking the photo and saying, oh, get closer together, that sort of thing. And then my brother in the photo, he's realising that's someone he's given the, the camera to is Craig Satari. <laughs> and he feels like shit now. <laughs> well, the thing is, I got, years and years ago, I got, uh, I was doing, when I did my first Sick of All interview, I got asked, who do you want to speak to in Sick of All? And I said, Craig Satari, because because he was a new thing I thought, and straight ahead and I thought that you know, I lost it so I thought yeah. I'd be, and I got to pursue and now if I'm ever asked who would you want to speak to in sick, sick of it all I would always say without fail Craig Satari because I went to Craig three or four times and you never ever come away from that interview th- thinking you've got less than gold because there's always something Craig will say that'll make you go huh well have you been on podcast he does he goes off at tangents and he yeah. goes he's very uh, spiritual and yeah, he's sort of, but he, he got like what I call satariisms, and so you you're talking about something, and then he'll relate it to something completely different, and then you go, what? Oh, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Five minutes later, you, go, what was he talking? Oh, yeah. okay. Right, okay. right now again, <laughs> but yeah. So Craig pops in at I've been at the matinee, and it's a combination of interviews and uh, archive footage, archive footage suppose, yeah. and, and video and photographs and it's just what period does it cover is it just that sort of 80s yeah period, so it's it's from the very first matinee to the very last matinee okay right, so it's like that brief glorious period in New York hardcore history when CBGB's became CBGB's when yeah. New York hardcore became New York hardcore as it's known throughout the world because you know I you'd be reading magazines and fanzines at the time and you you hear about like Sunday matinees and you go oh my god I dream of being at Sunday matinee I dream about going to CBGB's yeah. and when I went to CBGB's it was like I dreamt about coming to this place, and I've been here, and that's that. Oh, is it is it like a one of those lovable shitholes? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But it's it's like Newport, like TJ's in Newport. Was. Yeah, yeah. But it's it's you know you, if it's when you go there, you go, I get it. Yeah. You know, this place 
is dripping in history and you can feel it yeah. when, you, when you walked in the place and it, it was an incredible place and this film sort of conveys that feeling you, it makes you realise and remember why you wanted to be there it, it conveys the urgency and the energy that was part of that scene and how this club said we'll be your home you know and it's just a, it's just a great great film and the last five minutes the last scene with Walter in that film will make most middle aged blokes go I'm not crying, you're crying. Because <laughs> it's just so beautiful. Okay. It's, it's literally on those beautiful hardcore moments and you go... <laughs> and you feel yourself... Well, <laughs> and you remember why you did it. You remember why you sacrificed all these years. Yeah. To, uh... it's, no, it, it's not just that. It's more... Because all, it all revolves around rabies. And rabies. And oh, right. Because Walter was in Warzone. Yeah. And very few people acknowledge... Don't forget he's in Warzone as well. Yeah, well, you know, few people acknowledge the sort of impact that Warzone had on New York Hardcore um, and the fact that Ray went through agnostic front and before he went yeah. out to Warzone so he was you know he's a f- sort of first waiver and then a second waiver before all the bands like like Vagney come in later and the third waiver because yeah. they you know they are by the time those bands start making it big Rabies is dead I, I, I miss Rabies I mean the, all that music we would have had from him yeah uh, Warzone were they're my favourite New York Hardcore band Warzone really yeah um, absolutely adore. I, mean, I like Warzone. I really like Warzone. Yeah. But are they my favourite band? No, not at all. I think it was Sheer Terror. Sheer Terror. Yeah, absolutely yeah. Sheer Terror. Because that their music conveys the way that city is. You I think know, with Rabies, it's the uh, the passion in his voice. It just it screams passion. It yeah. just uh, when he's saying it, when he's saying those lyrics, he's living it. Um, he's lived it. He's lived still living it. And it's the same with Sheer Terror. Oh, right? for sure. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. Paul's New York is the New York I saw, you know, and that is like, this is what New York is, how I see New York. This yeah. is how people are here, and this is just Paul's not a positive person. No. Right, and I'm, you know, much as I try to convey PMA, I'm not. I'm always like the glass is half. I'm more the glass is half empty than the glass is half full. Okay. Um, and I guess that's how Paul sees life, and the way you only way you can deal with it is just by laughing at it and just oh God moving on and that's the way Paulus is a really dark sense of humour running through I think Sheer Terror does and New York has that dark sense of humour everywhere okay, yeah, yeah, and yeah. It's, it's not a place where dreams are made that's why they say if you want to go you know dreams are made in Hollywood <laughs> New York you come to you know this is where you come to work this is where you come to graft yeah push yourself forward yeah. and that's where that attitude is it, it's in Agnostic France music it's in the Chromax music it's in Sheer Terror's music it's in I mean second role are more positive I guess um, so but it, it's there it's that undercurrent and that's why I think Sheer Terror reflect New York more so than a band like Warzone okay you know, I, 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 I like the positive yeah, 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 yeah. I like the woo <laughs> let's get up and go but he, he, he reflects the gritty yeah but he reflects realness. the gritty reality of yeah. the situation he's telling you how it is he's not trying to yeah but I mean but, but Paul's not in at the matinee and Sheer Terror aren't in at the matinee because that's not sort of film that is I mean you find out more about it on Facebook it's you know facebook.com forward slash at the matinee go to the page like the page is that now it's coming out soon uh, there's screenings and stuff but it was produced in conjunction with Sky Arts so I'm assuming that it's going to appear on Sky yeah, Arts yeah. at some point like The Godfather's of Hardcore yeah of course yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's a fantastic film it really is it's a beautiful snapshot of time that means so much to so many people yeah. and it's, it's just a history lesson it's nice. Beautifully told, wonderfully evocative history lesson. That's how he would have played uh, CBGBs at some point in his life, Gizbud. Oh, Giz. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's. Oh, I know he has. I, I think he played the English Dogs. Yeah, I would have thought so. Yeah. Um, 
He played with somebody else as well. I know he's played CBGBs. And now he's got his back with Janice Starr. And you've heard him, you haven't you? I have. It's bloody marvellous. It's the best thing he's done in 30 years. I could pound him. <laughs> and not in a sexy way either. You know, in a mean sort of way. Because I always thought the best thing Giz ever did. Yeah. I mean, I love Giz all the way through his career. Um, from the Desecrators, the English Dogs, uh, the more I see, he's always made incredible music. But the best thing Giz ever did was a band called War Dance. And in 1988, they released a three-song demo. This is pre-English Dogs, yeah? No, no, he's with the English Dogs at this point. He's, Same he's, time, out, yeah. he's out of the English Dogs. Um, the English Dogs are on sort of hiatus then, so it's like falling okay. off from the Desecrators. So he's in the English Dogs. Uh, the English Dogs sort of gone hiatus. He's doing the Desecrators, and then the Desecrators split. He does War Dance. And Wardance released a three-song demo. And it's the most perfect combination of pop and punk rock I'd ever heard up until the new Janice Stark album, which literally sounds like Mersey Beat meets early 80s US hardcore. It's fantastic. It's just so good. Mersey Beat? Yeah, meets early 80s US hardcore and punk wow. rock. It's fantastic. And but the, oh, there's what, two what, genres I've never heard in the same... No, but it works. Yeah? They're the two things works, you yeah. think of. When, 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 it start, when the music clicks in, the first thing you think of is, oh, wow, those are the harmonies and the melodies from Mersey Beat. They're sort of perfect, pop perfection, meeting with the aggression and the sort of energy of that early 80s US punk rock and hardcore. It's fantastic. And you would know all about Mersey Beat. <laughs> uh, no, I see, I was surrounded by that stuff growing up. Exactly. So it just, it just worms its way into you. <laughs> into your blood and you go even though you want to deny I, I can't stand the Beatles I really can't but I can appreciate what they did because yeah. that's all I ever heard when I was growing up the Beatles the Beatles this the Beatles that and come on lad let's listen to the Beatles no <laughs> <laughs> no I'm just not going to do it okay well, listen to uh, Jenny Stark in instead shall we this is yeah. uh, Crucify All The Leaders yep Squeeze into it, broken down And 
crucify all the leaders by Jana Stark. Lovely. A lovely job. Smashing. Smashing. Smashing record, I suppose. The uh, new lag wagon's about to drop. We both heard it. Oh, my God. It's... Do you know what? I, I was, I'm not a fan of Lagwagon. Nah, the whole sort of... Um, I was into the more sort of aggressive stuff then in the 90s. Right. So, some of it I liked. A lot of that um, fat wreck stuff. Yeah. But Lagwagon, no, never really did it for me. But... See, I remember... I've matured. Uh, I've looked at different styles of punk rock in the, over the years and... I've, I've cast my eye over them. Yeah. It might be for me after <laughs> all. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I really enjoyed the album. It's fantastic. The first time I sort of across Lagwagon, we went to see him at TJ's. Me, uh, Pickens, and a girl called Stephanie. And, um, shout out to Pickens. Shout out to Pickens. Shout out to Stephanie. Whatever she is. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. You never um, know. Oh, she might be listening. She probably is, no. <laughs> I was like, oh, God, it's that knob. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we went to see Lagwagon. They were playing TJ's. And they were supposed to be playing with Face to Face. And oh, this, okay. This is how long ago it was. Face to face and lag wagon playing TJ's for £3 on the door. Okay, right. So we get there and face to face aren't playing. Right. Face to face haven't been allowed in the country because there's visa issues. <laughs> However, lag wagon are going to play and they're going to do a massively extended set. So the door price is dropped to £2.50. Right? Wow. And there are maybe 30 people in the club that night, 30 people in TJ's. Nobody See, was making money from that, were they? Nobody was making money from that, <laughs> especially not Lagwagon. Um, and they played, and they were incredible. So they played like their lives depended on that night. And when they did a massive extent, they played every cover they'd ever, ever learned. First two albums in their entirety. Yeah. So they played all of Duh, and they played all of Trashed. Right? And they went through all their covers. They even played Breaking the Law by Judas Priest. No way. Yes way. Lagwagon playing Judas yeah, yeah. Priest. Yeah, yeah. played Breaking the Law by Judas Priest. Fantastic. And That's worth £2.50 of anybody's money. Oh, isn't it? absolutely. But after the show, we spent an hour talking to their then guitarist, Sean Dewey. Okay. And he was fantastic. And, he, you know, it was just hanging out, chatting, having a beer. And uh, I think I bought a hoodie for eight quid. So, again, this is, this yeah. is like way back. This, things are so cheap. And then. 18 months, two years later, they played TJ's again on the back of Hoss. Okay. And my band supported them. Charlie's Family Crisis. Charlie's Family Crisis. And the place was rammed. And the difference that 18 months made between Trashed and Hoss was incredible. Because the place was rammed to capacity that night. So that's the, they'd exploded during that time. And they'd exploded the during that time. The whole fat thing. <laughs> just taken off. Fat rack, and, yeah. yeah. Absolutely taken off. I mean, we got a scene in London before that because they played yeah. London with Snuff and No Effects and, uh, in the intervening period. So it's 94, night. Played with them maybe 90, oh, 90, sometime in the mid-90s. Sometime in the 1890s. Yeah. <laughs> sometime back in the British time. <laughs> but this new album, Rayla, is, is the best thing they've done since Hoss. It's well, so yeah. Good. I mean, having initially not liked them, I've liked, you know, I have liked them for a number of years now, yeah. and obviously I've checked the back catalog out, and yeah, some of the stuff in like the before this was it was okay, but yeah, this is a really enjoyable old school punk rock like it was done. Yeah. Then. I mean, that that song Ginny, uh, third or fourth song in that chorus, one of the catchiest choruses I've ever heard, and it's just heartbreaking punch you in the gut yeah. when you listen to the lyrics you're like this is such an upbeat song but it's such a oh my god yeah yeah. and, and every song on that album you can relate to because it's sort of it's maybe a, a middle aged perspective on a young man's world I guess yeah, yeah. Um, I'll go with that and it's not groundbreaking by any means but you wouldn't want it to be 
No, but it's it's not supposed to be groundbreaking. This yeah. is this is lag. Wagon. I don't want to hear lagging. This is what lag wagon do. What lag wagon do best, and it's catchy, infectious, melodic punk rock. Lag wagon and the Satanic Surfers are the natural sort of successors to RKL. Yeah. And they do what RKL. I mean, there's a couple of members of Lagwagon who were in RKL, like Joe Rapuso, Chris Rest, yeah. and Chris Flippy was at one point, so, and Dave Ryan was in one. So mm. basically, Lagwagon is RKL, minus yeah. Joey. And Joey Cape. So Joey Cape was actually in one of the first incarnations of RKL as well as a guitar player. So Lagwagon is basically RKL without Bomber and Jason. Yeah. Um, and they're carrying on that legacy, and they always have been. They've been sort of in a similar sort of vein. So it's technical catchy aggressive but incredibly melodic punk rock and, mm. this, and this album just typifies that perfectly it's, yeah I think it's easily the best thing they've done since Hoss and I'm not a massive fan of their entire recorded output by any stretch of the imagination there are moments where I go oh, I double platinum I'm not a big fan of but this record is them on fire and completely on form and just pushing forward and going for it it's been a good year for those um, sort of bands. I mean, the Melancholy album that came out earlier this year. Fantastic. That was fun. Yeah, it was amazing. It was like the last Satanic Surfers album that came yeah. out. Yeah. That was just mind-blowing. I've never been a massive Satanic Surfers fan until I heard that album. And suddenly it all makes sense. They are just pushing the boundaries of what... This is what we did back then. This is what we're doing now. And it's the same thing. And it's not for... It give the kids like it, great, but this is for our fans. This is for the people who were there for us originally. This is for you old men who are still sitting there, bitter and twisted. The kids have come up and taken what you loved and tried to make it their own. And look at them now with their terrible hair. They record that for people like <laughs> Victory Records, who have now been sold to Cleopatra. Yes. For $38 million. Yeah. yeah. Tony's... Did you, did, you, did you read Tony Brummel's statement? I didn't read the statement, no. Oh, okay, so um, basically, I'm keeping all the Victory staff on. Right. Um, to help me in my other business outlets like real estate and things like that so all of Tony's investments are now being looked after by the Victory staff so one day one day you know you're, you're doing press and promo for a record the next day you're managing Tony Victory's real estate options <laughs> it's like what? <laughs> yeah, what, 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 what? so you might go to view a house and you have some uh, kid in a snack case hoodie rock up to show you oh, around there's nobody in a snack case hoodie working at Victory anymore they're just, <laughs> that's true there really isn't you know yeah and I, I, I've interviewed Tony, and you know, I found him to be Tony, and that was nice enough. Oh, that that mid mid to late nineties roster they had was untouchable. That was incredible. It was just untouchable. Ab- you know, and when Victory during uh, maybe maybe ninety five through to two thousand, the labels could touch him with Revelation and Epitaph. Yeah, they me. just because uh... they were just incredible. They had some uh, cause for alarm, boy sets fire, high fi in the road, Earth crisis, yeah. integrity. Yeah. Um, no. Yeah, no, it's a no from you. Yeah, it's a big no from me. I but... love Integrity. God, I love that band. I'll tell you the Dwid stories one day. Tell me the Dwid stories. <laughs> yeah, Dwid. That's I, a whole episode of this. I, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I had email communications with Dwid at one point. I've interviewed him via email, and he was just, he was very business. Forthright? Yeah. Abrupt? Yeah. Yeah, was he still in his survivalist phase then? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That was when I, I met him and he was preparing for the apocalypse. <laughs> Speaking of the Dwid, though, yeah. uh, I got to speak to uh, Igor Cavalera this week. Uh, how can you relate Igor Cavalera to Dwid? Well, he's on the new album. He's on Pep Rick's new album. Oh, okay. Dwid's on their album? Yeah, okay. Dwid's on their album. So Pep Rick is the new uh, album from Igor Cavalera. And... Satan! And Satan! That's him. Satan! Satan! And Wayne, Adam, Wayne Adams from Big Lad and Shipwife. I've never even heard that. Can I, can shitwife is a good name for a band. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, you are a shitwife. <laughs> so 
So yeah, they got a new album out on the 25th of October on Rocket Recordings. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's called I. I had a little uh, sit down with uh, Ego. Uh, sit down with Ego. Sit down with Ego. Talked about the new album, how it all came together, and we also spoke about Dwid, who appears on the album. So let's see what Ego's got to say about Dwid. <laughs> Hey, how are you, man? I'm good, thanks. Uh, nice to talk to you again. Yeah, obviously you're taking Pep Brick on, on tour in November, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So I was just wondering, um, how did you how did you meet Wayne and how did Pep Brick come about? I, I went to see a band, actually a project uh, of a friend of mine called Drum Corps and, and someone that uh, I really enjoyed his music and he was playing here at the Underworld in Camden. Then uh, at the time, Wayne was opening his show with uh, Shitwife, his previous band before uh, Big Lad. So I really like the the show. And then I got in touch with Wayne and I I found out that he had a studio and uh, he produced many underground, like uh, hard bands, like, like metal, doom or whatever. And then he invited me to come to the studio to, to hang out, listen to some music. And we end up collaborating on some stuff, writing some stuff together. And in the beginning, it was not even an idea about like forming a project. It was just us exchanging ideas. And, uh, and then next thing we know, we, we, those ideas start to become a bit of like a demo thing. And then that turning to pretty much kind of like a, a band, a project, and and next thing we know, we 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 start doing some gigs. So that was kind of like, it was a bit of like a happy accident in a way where we didn't really plan out too much, but we just realized we had a lot of things in common coming from two different worlds. He also been involved in bands for many years, but it was really cool to find someone in London that was doing a lot of uh, cool stuff through all these years and involved in in. in a lot of really cool different kind of music that i'm really into like breakcore and 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 like a lot of noisy and uh, apex yeah. twin influenced kind of stuff so it was cool to see that and and then to actually collaborate with that was quite special yeah well you mentioned the, the stuff you're into there and obviously you're, you're known for being uh ex-drummer Salvatore. when did you know electronic music sort of come into your life then it's crazy because it's always been in a way part of it like since the very early stages of uh, of sepultura i always been fascinated by like early industrial stuff and then later on with a bit of like drum programming and, and then you know like with many different ways of, of doing things and it mixing organic and electronic sounds you know i, okay. I even experience experimenting some of that in the sepultura days and then later on with nail bomb of course yeah so it's always so i, I always been very uh, involved with that and then when i left sepultura i started this uh, project called mix hell and yeah. then i was ma- mainly just doing that which was focus more on like the electronic world like not so much in, in the heavy music and then now with Patrick it's a bit of a combination of the two even though I don't consider Patrick to be a metal thing it has a bit of a more of aggressive ideas to it like there's not even one guitar 
in the whole record. Like, there's not a guitar sound. Everything was done with synthesizers. And, but there's still very and, much a sort of punk vibe to it, isn't there? Yeah, it has, it has a bit of that punk vibe. It has a bit of a, the industrial, noisy vibe to it so and then of course like my drumming it, it does carry the a bit of the metal sig- signature to it so so in that sense i think there is some of the influence but i wouldn't call it pepric like a, a metal project you know can you see it crossing over to several sort of you know sets of fans though it, that's not really the the idea you know the idea it's it's to do something that i find it interesting and then if someone that it's into stuff that I do with my brother or the stuff that I did in the past enjoy this, then I'm, I'm more than happy. But to be quite honest, that's not the main motive behind is to to bring this into just to, I don't know, like to satisfy like a like a metal yeah, I understand. Yeah, let's put it this way. You know, it's, it's not it's not really about that. It's, but, a, it's a passion like, project for yourself. Yeah, yeah, I mean, like most stuff that we do, you know, since since the early days of of our career, it was always stuff that we enjoy, and then eventually it became something bigger, and then more people got into it, and that's this is no different than than that, and it's quite. I think it's quite easier to to deal with it when you do something that it's it's real for you and, and it's enjoyable and, and it's so much easier to deal with either a lot of people getting into it no people getting into it because you've just been through to yourself and then it's fine at the end of the day you know when you play live with a pep rick i mean does that present new challenge to, challenges to you as a drummer yeah i mean it, it is very different in in the sense that uh, it, it is more electronic focused than something that I would, for example, do with my brother when we we go play Cavalier Conspiracy or, or, or any of the other stuff. So there is a bit more of a, of a electronic structure to it where me and Wayne have to to follow each other in, in the sense that we're a bit of more of a, a locked in into the machines. Course, yeah. So, so, so it is quite challenging in that sense. And then again, it's it's quite fun because again, some of the stuff that we do, it's a lot more improvised than something that I would do with my brother or or with stuff that I did in the past. So, so I think there's a combination of both. There's stuff that I feel a bit more locked in, yeah. and there is parts of the show where we can improvise a lot more than than I would do with, with Cavalera Conspiracy, which it's a bit more rehearsed and, and people wanted to see more of the songs the way that we did in the record, where with that brick, I think we had a little more of a freedom of making versions of that into a live performance. So I see. I, th- I, th- I think it's it's a cool combination of, of both, you know. Oh, for sure, yeah, yeah. Um, it was nice to see um, Dwight on there from Integrity. I mean, I know you've probably known him a long time. Is this the first time you've worked with him? No, I think it is, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I know Dwight for a, quite a long time. I, I've been really into Integrity. He's one of my favorite bands, and uh, he's a, quite a good friend. I follow a lot of his uh, side projects that he does, his, uh, his label and things like that. And didn't Cy Warfare support you in London? Yeah, he's going to be here doing the Peprick thing. 
Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, so it's it's the first time he's gonna be doing cyber warfare in, in London, so that's gonna be quite exciting. Yeah, yeah. Again, again, it's one of my favorite projects that he does. Like, he's quite a pioneer into into this whole like noisy world, you know. Like, so it's and again, he's one of my best friends. Like, I know him for many years. So when it comes time to to do a collaboration with him, it was quite fantastic because not only am a huge fan of uh, integrity but i also am a huge fan of him as an artist and and mm. like he he has many different ideas he he's a he's an amazing artist as far as like drawings and and he also do side projects and and many different things so i'm, yeah. I'm quite fortunate to have him as a as a great friend you know yeah you mentioned your brother earlier so i was just wondering if he's had a chance to hear Paprik and what was his thoughts about it? He's really into it. It's funny because uh, I showed him some early demos of it and he was like quite enthusiastic about it because he really likes the aggression of it. And it's, again, it's something very different from what he really does as far as like with the, the way that we uh, chop the, the music and, and it's a bit more like uh, electronic in that sense. And the way it's edited and then it's funny because the other day he called me and he was like my god i heard the because we did a a remix for nails and it's a track that my my brother did some vocals for them and then patrick had to do a remix for it okay wow yeah and and he was super excited about the remix that we did and he was like man you guys make it more even more brutal than the original track that i did with nails so that was quite cool to hear from him so yeah it's it's cool he's a fan you know like of of Patrick and but then again coming from Max it's quite no surprise because like me he is quite uh, an open-minded guy and also someone that really research for new music and crazy ideas and things like that so it, it's cool I, I mean he's one of the guys that I every time I have some some stuff going on I always show him what's going on, so it's 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 quite exciting because he does has a passion for for new new stuff, you know. Yeah, I mean, well, over the years he's always said sort of like, well, both of you, I think, is like uh, Ministry, Skinny Puppy, you've always been influenced by those sort of bands, haven't you? Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. that's one of the things I remember, like even earlier stuff like Neubauten and and things like that. Me and him were super excited about the whole idea of, of bringing pushing music to that extreme and then later on having a band like napalm death or extreme noise terror yeah. doing that so so those things for us were, were super exciting to to see and and you know again it's something that only people who who can have an open mind about things can appreciate the most extreme sides of music yeah, sure. So, I mean, um, just to wrap this up, do you, do you think this is a one-off project or can you see more Pepperick down the road? How do you see it? It's funny because we already wrote a bunch of, of stuff after this record. Like, we have a collaboration with this band from uh, from New York called Uniform, like a, a split EP with them. And then we're doing this thing with a band from Brazil called Deaf Kids, which are they are on the uh, on oh, New Rot on New Rot yeah, yeah yeah I know yeah, Kids. yeah yeah awesome yeah so we're doing also a, a split with them so it's it's funny because it's almost like it's becoming one of my main projects and we're super busy with it but then again it's a lot of fun doing it because 
me and Wayne were, were so busy with other projects that we always find time to to do some stuff with Pet Brick. Like, for example, I do these dates in November with Pet Brick, and then I jump right in after with my brother to do the Arise Beneath the Remains tour. Of course, yeah, yeah. And then wow. I go all the way to to Christmas with that, and then next year we, we are already looking into locking some dates for, for both projects. So wow. it's exciting times, you know, yeah, like jump, yeah. jumping from month, especially that brick is such a small thing you know i've been having a chance to play such special stuff with that brick like super small festivals like super normal and uh, really cool stuff that i would never have a chance to play with my brother or or stuff like this so i'm really enjoying the the ride of going from from very underground things to to other stuff that i do which is quite more established into the metal world you know well, it's going to be nice to see you in Cardiff. I mean, you're playing um, a little club called Club Eye for Bach. Um, I think the intimate surroundings will just sort of lend itself to this sort of music. I think it's going to be a brilliant night. Yeah, I'm looking forward, man. Yeah. I mean, this tour, again, it's it's something that it's quite special. A lot of small places that, for me, it's, it's cool. I, I love it. I love playing really close to, to people, people having a chance to, to catch my drumming. Yeah. a little closer than than sometimes in a, in a bigger place so i'm having fun okay you go well thank you very much once again for uh having a chat with us thank you man all right take care but i never would have thought he'd have said that about to it naughty naughty chap <laughs> <laughs> then you are eyes out now on rocket recordings time another track i think okay who's this by how's how, how do you feel about black metal i like cradle of filth you okay that's about it right <laughs> These, these, I'm not a big fan. These boys from Cardiff, they're called Black Pyre. Welsh black metal. Welsh black metal. Oh, I bet. <laughs> I have got a chapel on time, you see. Burn all the chapels down, isn't it? Smash Henson. <laughs> oh, chapel fires, smash Henson. Oh, the rom that churches was burnt. <laughs> yeah, think more old school mayhem. Oh, like Death Crush Hero Mayhem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's, I, where, I, that's I, where we're at. I really. can get with that. As yeah. long as they don't like try shooting each other in the head with shotguns and stuff, I'm quite happy. They like, wearing do. bits of people's skulls and things. They may do. Well, if that floats their boat, each that's to their fine. Own. Each to their, each own. their own. Have a happy old time wearing bits of people's skulls and chewing <laughs> on friends. I, I thought that was zombies, but okay, apparently it's black metal, so here we go. <laughs> this is Marbus by Blackpire.
That was black metal. That was black pyre. Yeah. Black doing pyre. black metal. Black pyre doing black metal. You see, it's lovely. <laughs> Marvellous. Awesome. Well, you mentioned some Life of Agony tickets. Yeah. So, you can win two tickets to go see Life of Agony on the UK tour. They're playing October 22nd. Yeah, we know, where, where are the tickets 30th. for? Or are they tickets anyway, for any Any of the UK shows. Oh, okay. Smashing. So, uh, this, the show of your choice. The then? show of your choice. Okay. On the UK tour. So, um, the new album, The Sound of Scars, is out on October 11th. Uh, to win the tickets, just go see them, answer this simple question. On their 1995 album, Ugly, Life of Agony covered a song called Don't You Forget About Me. But who recorded the original version? Seriously, that's the question. That's the question. That's like so easy. Even my mum could answer that. And she's mental. That's because we were around in that age, in, the, in that time. Well, this is true. <laughs> so just to repeat, on their 1995 album, Ugly... Life of Agony covered a song called Don't You Forget About Me. But what band recorded the original version? Send your answers to info at massmovement.co.uk and put the subject Life of Hagony in the subject. Hagony. The new album is awesome. I've got, I've, I've got to say it's, I, I it, haven't it, listened to it. It grew on me. Uh, first no. listen, I was like, okay, it's more of the same but then go a bit deeper it's sort of concept wise it's carrying on from River Runs Red telling, carrying on the story okay because um, that, that album is a, is a benchmark that album is incredible it really is um, it was so different to anything that came out it kind of had that sort of Paul Bearer sort of you know bass in his voice that yeah. sort of, but with really but I remember what, seeing the video for Through and Through the, the, the pattern like, yeah yeah just hell. when it kicks in because that was that was on like Noisy Mothers or something yeah so, yeah Noisy Mothers would be on like two o'clock on a Saturday morning you'd go out get hammered and I'd record it so like the next morning it would be like me and my mate Nigel would come over and we'd sit there both yeah. hung over to hell with a cup of coffee just watching this and through through came on Yeah. and it was like holy hell it was a game changer yeah those riffs and that sort of empty through yeah. yeah just kicks in and you go like oh this is something oh, this it is really something was yeah absolute game changer that was a good year for um, I mean you had River Runs Red I'm sure the same year you had Urban Discipline and Biohazard yeah and set it off and Marble came out it was a good year for like that second phase of or third phase of New That's York third Hardcore yeah, third, third phase, phase of yeah. yeah. um, New York Hardcore it sort of ushered in that new era yeah yeah after it gone sort of it suffered a bit didn't it? there was violence in the shows yeah in the late 80s early 90s and it kind of New York Hardcore it's like petering out and so on yeah of, I mean, you know. it lost its way a bit and then yeah. this yeah. sort of third um, phase came in and just and kicked it all back into kicked gear kicked it in the butt yeah yeah and then you had bands like Sky coming out after that and yeah. it was you know back and up it's, and running it's also, the, it's all the time go back to Sheer Terror again yeah. when Sheer Terror released what I think was their best album up till then which was Love Songs They Unloved yeah yeah because that is that's a band who've just evolved to the point where check this out because nobody's doing anything like this and that that like River Runs Red is a game changer it's an absolute moment of pure musical clarity and which is what River Runs Red is it was a, it was a sing, singular vision it's, it's, it's a story from beginning to end you know yeah yeah uh, well with the new album they, they're carrying on that story you know, they're giving you a sort of the bookend and that sort of thing so is it more like Mina Caputo's is it like her life story it's uh it's a combination of all their stories. There's input right. from each band member and you know various um things that have happened to them in their in their lifetime. And this kind of yeah this puts an end to it all quite nicely. Uh, but it sort of ties it all off. Yeah yeah. yeah okay. Musically, uh, it's there's the the lead track scars. Yeah. Is really not a good representation of the album. I don't think. Okay. I heard scars. And I was like, oh, I'm not sure about that. It's okay. It's just yeah. okay. I expected more. 
the rest of the album though it's sort of there's that that groove that they're known for right is back there's the the Brooklyn backing vocals. Oh, okay. Which I've missed. Nobody does backing vocals like Brooklyn boys. No. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> so that's all back in, and there's there's a heaviness, and there's a. It's not River Runs Red style by any means, right. but it's definitely a mix of all this sounds. But you can hear the influence of River Runs. Oh, for sure. Yeah, you, yeah, can, yeah. you can hear that River Runs Red is carrying on into. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Oh, well, right. I said I, it's in, I, I did the uh, review for Mass Movement yeah. online, and I said it's the sound of a, a band that's really sort of found their stride. Right. They've 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 they're back they've got the a new drummer as well, haven't they? Yeah, like, Veronica. Yeah. Bellino, I think. She oh, replaced okay. Sal. I thought Sal was a massive part of like their sound, so I was yeah. a little bit disappointed. He went for whatever reasons, but um, Veronica's come in and she's done a stellar job. I mean, she's—they they sound like a band who are the, probably the happiest they've ever been. I mean, Mina seem—I mean, I don't know the band, yeah. but outwardly at least, Mina seems to be in a good place now. Well, I think she's happier than she's ever been. Yeah, yeah. Um, the band is collectively awesome. in a good place and yeah. they're moving forward together, uh, which I'm more than happy uh, to hear. Like, because uh, I mean, Joey, the guitarist—I've met him a couple of times. He's a lovely bloke and. Such an underrated guitarist as well, I think, in metal. And yeah. I mean, he filled in for Carnivore a few times, didn't he? Um, back when he was still around. Yeah. Uh, Carnivore is always one of those bands that sort of, I've always been like, you know, makes me really uncomfortable because lyrically it's like, oh, you you didn't really go there, did yeah, you? Yeah. Oh no. Yeah. I naughty. really want to like you, but yeah. No, yeah. no, 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 no. They pushed it a bit too far. Yeah, and there's a fine line when you say well we're doing it for we, this is art we're doing we're supposed to make you feel uncomfortable well if that was the case you really succeeded because you made me feel really really yeah. really uncomfortable you did well you did good you a star because you've you've achieved your objectives but i mean um i've always wanted to just sit down with alan robert so let's talk comics yeah you know he's he a, knows his stuff yeah we writes is he a writer or an artist I am. yeah he's a he's a writer Oh, yeah. I know. No, yeah, no, he's maybe an artist. He's, he's, he does a range of colouring books for kids as well, which is amazing. That's it. It's all horror based and all yeah. that. So uh, yeah, well, he's, a, he's a super interesting guy. And he's the main songwriter as well. Is um, he? Yeah, he's always always has been. Yeah. So uh, that that I did not know. Yeah. Right. Because he's just one of those guys you would say. So let's sit down. Let's talk old school comics. Let's not. Let's not talk. Let's not. Yeah. Let's knock like a Wagner in the air for a second. Yeah. Let's talk comics. Let's yeah. let's talk like. And you could do that then. Yeah. Let's talk the Silver Age. Let's let's go back to there. But again, back to life, Wagner. So you reckon it's? Yeah, it's um, it's not going to beat River Runs Red. Nothing will, no. as far as I'm concerned. There's very um. That's life of agony's defining moment. Yeah. Um, life of agony. No, that's life of agony's defining moment. But it's but it's shown me that there's life, plenty of life back in this band now. All right. I'm I'm glad about that. And there's life beyond River Runs Red. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, their sound has changed over the years, and the, but this new album just incorporates all those those changes. Sound it's heavy. There's even a song which could be classed as an out and out hardcore punk song. So yeah, they've taken all those, all that mix of sounds, and they've crammed in this new album, and I, I like it. So, so yeah. it's got a thumbs up, thumbs up seal of approval from Mass Movement. For sure. Okay. Yeah, it's out October 11th. So by the time you hear this, it'll just be coming out. Yeah. It's on Napalm Records. As I said, they're touring UK October 22nd to October 30th. What are the dates? So if anybody's going to enter the competition, if you let them know the dates, so they can then choose a place. Oh, there's a. Got my load. There's Brighton, Bristol, London. If you go to their website, go to Life Agony's website. It's all on there. Anyway. Oh, the dates are on there. Yeah. yeah. Or but, uh, their Facebook page, I'm sure. The dates yeah, the there. Facebook page. But pick a date, enter the competition, drop us an email. We want tickets for this show. Win yourself a couple of tickets. Hi, this is H from Acid Rain, and you are listening to the Mass Movement Podcast. Good idea, that.
I heartily endorse this podcast. Okay, so that wraps it up for another episode. That's about it, I think, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. what we got coming next time? We got a Barcelona Preachers interview. We caught up with them guys. And they... other stuff that comes to us as... Yeah, when, if and when. Yeah, the next couple of weeks when well, things happen. There'll be various brain farts between well, the... Well, uh, I, I guess we'll be talking about the uh, book launch that happens in Bridgend. Yeah. It's, whether, whether it's a, an unqualified success or an unmitigated bloody disaster. But... <laughs> It'll be one of the two. and we'll Either way, we'll be drinking good beer and yeah, listening yeah. to good bands. Yeah, and hopefully selling some books. And selling some books, yeah. <laughs> hopefully, yeah. So, yeah, so shout-outs to... Um, oh, shout-out to Igor yeah. Cavalera. It was nice to speak to him again. Shout-out um, to H from Acid Rain, because, you know, it was a great interview and it's always a pleasure to speak to him. And we should just shout him out every incredible. week now, anyway. Yeah, because, you know, yeah. it's H. Because it's H, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the new Acid Rain album is really, really cool. Oh, thank uh, Napalm Records and uh, James at Hold Tight. And that's about it, and we'll see you next time. See you soon. Ta-ta. Bye-bye.